Hello everyone and welcome back to the Damage Counter Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Pokemon TCG. You got Phelan over here. And you got Josh over here. And, uh, you know, we're, we're just going to go right ahead and get right into this episode. It's episode 35. As always, we've got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. We've got Xerneas on our card of the day. Uh, a lot of news this go-around to make up for the last episode's uh, somewhat lacking news. Um... We're revisiting the Kalos region in X and Y in our 60-card showcase, this time covering Josh's Mega Gardevoir Dragon Fairy Box deck. And then at the top of the show, we're going to be kind of doing a bit of a retrospective on the Battle Styles of Scarlet and Violet format, as the last few regionals for that format have uh, now finished as we move into the Paldea Evolved format. But before we get into all that, of course, as always, Josh, my friend, how you doing? Uh, <clears throat> I'm doing pretty good been uh you know busy there's a lot of stuff that's coming out right now that i want to play uh street fighter 6 has dropped diablo 4 has dropped uh and uh, i've been playing a lot of magic actually i've actually been pushing competitive in magic i'm low diamond trying to get to mythic yeah so it goes uh i'm the second highest right now diamonds like the second highest mythics top i'm Decided I want to try to hit Mythic, so I'm pushing really hard on that. So Pokemon-wise, I, uh, I've been kind of stagnant on lately, just between my free time being juggled between uh, those three things. Right. Because uh, Street Fighter Six has been a lot of fun. Uh, if you're a fighting game fan, highly recommend. Even the uh, PvE mode, the World Tour mode, I have been enjoying immensely. You should get that game, Phelan. I know, I, I, I really it. do need to get that. That game looks like so much fun. Not not a single one of my friends, but one, has picked up the game yet. And I'm like, this is crazy. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I need, I need to get on that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, so Pokemon-wise, I've been a kind of stagnant. I, uh, I've been kind of... You know I'm pretty happy playing Gardevoir. I think that's pretty well established. But I've been kind of putting feelers out for a secondary deck. Just because I, I am the type of player that even though I have a deck that I like main and consistently play, I can't help myself but want to play different things occasionally. I just I just love to stick my fingers in other pools. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know. You know, I just like to change it up occasionally and play something new. So uh, I've been thinking about what I want to play. I'm actually thinking about building like Chiampao. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been really popular since Paldea Evolved came out. Of course, you yeah. know, not getting that free starter deck in PTCG Live is a pretty big deal. But uh, I mean, yeah, I, I've done some testing with it. I think Chien Pao is pretty fun. Um, kind of one note, depending on how you build it, you can you know you can kind of make it more flexible if you want. But you know, then it starts to get weaker in other areas. You know, the classic push and pull between tech and consistency. So. Uh, but it is a fun deck. It is a fun deck for sure. Yeah, it definitely looks like fun. And, uh, I mean, it's pretty different to what I'm playing, so... I've been looking at a few lists, doing some pricing. It, it doesn't look too bad. I actually think I can build the deck for around, like, 65-ish bucks, which isn't very bad at all. So, yeah, like, I think all the major decks in Pokemon right now are extremely cheap, and that is just amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I'm probably going to do that after I get paid next week. Uh, I've got, uh, I've bought two more energy for Gardevoir, just so you all know that that's still a work in progress. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm waiting on uh, two to come in, and I should have two more on the way. That'll be four. 
out of the like twelve. <laughs> slowly but surely. Slowly but surely, slowly but surely, we're getting there. <laughs> so that that's still going on. We still playing Gardevoir. Don't worry, y'all. <laughs> I'm still on it. But uh, besides that, not too much else. What about you? What have you been up to? Uh, lots of preparation for NAIC. Uh, so been doing a lot of testing. But before all that, you know, I went to I went to the Milwaukee Regionals. Uh, had a good time. Uh, had my best tournament finish ever. Uh, ended at five three one, I think it was. So I got a two hundred forty seventh place out of like twelve hundred ish players. Um, so finally hit my goal of top two fifty six at a regional. I actually got some CP for it. Not that I'm trying to go to Worlds or anything, but uh, you know it was nice to break that barrier. Um, of course, doing it with just an Arceus pile, like y'all know, I love to do. <laughs> Uh, played Arceus Duraludon Umbreon. I posted the deck list for it in the community Discord. So if you're in our Discord, you can check out the deck list tab in there. I post anytime I go to a regional, I post my deck lists in there. So if you're curious as to what that looks like, check out the Discord link in the episode description. But uh, yeah, me and the crew had a good time out in Milwaukee. Uh, overall, I think we did pretty good. Uh, our friend Jake went with us. He also uh, he was just shy of top 128. I think he got like 143rd or something like that uh, playing Gardevoir. So, you know, he's, he's wrapping up more points. He's getting pretty close to his world's invite. So, uh, hoping nothing but goodness for him. Definitely. Um, but after that, I mean, it's just been straight NAIC testing. Been testing some Gardevoir. Been testing some Chen Pao, some Arceus Giratina, uh, among a million other Arceus variants, as you might expect. Um, I feel like this might possibly be the most organized my testing group has ever been. We're generally kind of bad about it. We kind of get stuck in our own ways and then just like, you know, playing the deck, our, our comfort picks, and then not really like trying to find the play, quote unquote. Um, so I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, you know, we're, we're kind of having to get used to the, to the Paldea Vault format, Ayano and Reversal Energy do change quite a bit. Um, so, it, you know, it, it's a work in progress, but we're doing a lot of testing. And uh, I've also been doing a lot of financial preparation for NAIC. Started listening a bunch, like I just restocked uh, my storefront on TCG Player. So, by the way, if you want to help your boy have a little bit of extra spending money at NAIC, check out Max Harmony cards on TCG Player. <laughs> Shameless plug, but... All that money is going to go towards my NAIC trip, basically. So, uh, you know, I've been saving up a little bit for it because I want to be able to get some of that Pokemon Center swag, you know. Because mm -hmm. it's all Eevee themed, right? They've got like bags, play mats, water bottles, stuff like that. So I uh, definitely want to get in on that. But um, yeah, I mean, that's that's really about it, you know. Uh, bunch of Pokemon got caught up with an old friend, of course, you know. Our, uh, our good friend Marshall came to visit us after falling off the face of the earth, so it's good to see him. Yeah, uh, I, I unfortunately only got to see him for like 15 minutes, but uh, it, it was great to get to see him in person again. Yeah, so Marshall, if you're listening, buddy, love you. Good to see you. Um, he was also like, yeah, man, I've been thinking about picking up Yu-Gi-Oh! Magic or Pokemon. Which one should I do? I was like, bro, you already know what I'm going to say. <laughs> I might have to fight with you a bit on that one. Uh, I'm sure you would. I'm sure you would. Uh, listen, I need a magic buddy, okay? <laughs> that is true. I don't I don't build magic decks frequently enough to fill that role. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh. Oh, but speaking of building decks, actually, I have finished another retro deck, another Sun and Moon deck, this time the Rampardos Fossil deck. Uh, one of the few times that fossils were actually viable in Sun and Moon, so that was kind of cool. Uh, got to work on another Sword and Shield retro deck, got to work on Expanded, uh, found a really cool uh, Expanded Arceus V-Star deck that I want to build, so i uh, been working on that. It took a bit of a backseat because Paldea Evolved came out and I wanted to make sure I bought you know all the playsets that I wanted to play with, uh-huh. which, by the way, I bought 35 playsets of cards, like from Paldea Evolved, and it was like 160 bucks after shipping and tax. And it was just like everything I need. Like Chin Pows, Ting Lu's, Baxcalibers, Squawkabillies, Meowscaradas, I mean, everything. Trainers, Energy, Pokemon that I thought would be viable. I mean, it, literally everything. It was like 160 bucks. <laughs> I was like, dude, if this was Sword and Shield, I would have been spending like double this. It's why I didn't, like, take this approach in Sword and Shield, because I was like, I'll just wait until I want to play a deck, and then I'll buy it. Now I can just, yeah. like, buy everything, and then I'll have it. If I, want to, if I want to play it, I'll have it. Yeah, definitely. Back in Sword and Shield, I pretty much only bought singles. I mean, I would buy, like, the occasional ETBs. I, would, I guess I say occasional. I would buy, like, one or two ETBs every time a set came out. But uh, after that, besides, like, the occasional packs... Uh, especially when, like, you know, you're at the local game store and you got to round up some money, so you buy a few packs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I never bought like product because it was just it never felt worth to me. So it's even like buying full sets of singles that was like so expensive because the pull rate pull rates just were not that great. So like these sets with Scarlet and Violet, where just cards are a lot more common and a lot cheaper, makes me super happy. Yeah, I pulled a full art Squawkabilly EX and a Gold Chien Pao in the same booster pack. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. It's <laughs> so good, dude. I thought, and, yeah. And that was that was from the ETB that I bought, and I thought I was like, oh, dude, this is so sick. I got these two cards. I got the Illustrator Rare Baxcalibur, and then a friend of mine bought an ETB and three pack Blister after the fact, and pulled like uh, Illustrator Iono, and I was like, dude, get out of here. Oh my god, dude, but. Yeah, the pull rates are great. Uh, it, it does, it's just amazing that I can just like buy all the cards. So yeah. incredible. And I gotta say, I just real quick, I had like like pack opening whiplash a couple weeks ago. <laughs> uh-huh. Because you know, Scarlet and Violet's been out for a while. Paldea Evolved has just come out, and that's all I've been opening lately, right? You know, you get like entry packs at locals, you win packs and stuff like that. So I've just been used to like at least getting something every pack because you you're guaranteed a hollow in every pack, right? Yeah, dude. We started joking around because our you know our our buddy Dylan, uh, big Giratina fan. He loves Giratina. It's his favorite Pokemon. It's his favorite deck. And he was talking about he's got a max rarity Giratina V Star deck, like alternate arts, everything. Mm-hmm. He's talking about possibly needing to play for Giratina V and that he didn't have the fourth altar. <laughs> so anytime <laughs> he you know has extra money to spend, he'll buy Lost Origin booster packs just to try to see if he could pull it. Because, you know, it's like a $300 card. So a lot of us at the store one day like got in on it and bought started buying packs. I bought like two or three. And it was like a regular rare hollow. Or, uh, I'm sorry, regular rare non-hollow. 
And like every booster pack I bought, I was like, dude, I forgot how terrible it felt to open sword and shield packs. <laughs> it's bad, dude. It was bad. <laughs> yeah, man. It's a. Uh... It's really not the best. Like, <laughs> no, I don't ever I, want to go back to that. No, I. I guess there's a few people. I've talked to some people that enjoy it when sets are like exclusive like that and rare cards. I guess from like collector ex- perspectives, which of course I mean they make more money buying and selling, so <laughs> I, I can understand that. But it's so nice when like you're you can like buy product and know that you have a good chance of getting hit. Because then you can start doing stuff like trading and whatnot too, because you actually got stuff to trade. True, yeah, actually. I didn't even, I didn't even think of that. That's Yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, and, and you know, I could see that perspective, right? Because as a collector, you know, it's usually about, like, the hype of the good pool, right? Uh, you know, get, pulling the card that you needed for your collection, or I guess if you're a reseller, pulling a card to resell it. Um, you know, this, that, the other. But, like, as a player, I just, like, open a dead pack, and I'm like, okay, cool, I just wasted my money. Yeah. Or, like, but, you know, but, like, Scarlet and Violet, okay, I got a Hollow Rare, you know. This this is, you know, a playable card. I can do something with this. Like, we're, we're chill. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just nice. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, but that's, uh, you know, that's about it for me. Like I said, just lots of NAIC testing, which meant reinstalling pokemon tcg live but I, I, I won't i won't linger on that for right now yeah uh before we move on i forgot to add uh add on in my what's been going on section uh i finally have a glc deck last cards oh. came in i i have a deck I, I i'm no longer the guy that's saying he's gonna keep he's gonna build it next I finally pulled the trigger a couple weeks ago, and I just got the last of the cards in. So I'm definitely excited to get together with y'all. We can finally, uh, well, I guess we were already playing GLC. We were just using your decks, but uh, we got more variety now. Yeah, I got a psychic GLC. I got a psychic GLC deck. Yeah. So between you, me, and Dom, it looks like we will have grass, water, psychic, and fighting in the mix. I think Dom has a water deck too. So you know, either way. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to see if we can get some GLC action uh, on the YouTube channel at some point. I think that'd be pretty sick. Definitely. All right. Well, with the introductions out of the way, that's probably one of the lengthiest introductions we've had in a while. Um, with, <laughs> with that out of the way, let's go ahead and jump into our card of the day. And this is a this is a favorite of mine that I you know I figured since we were jumping back to to X and Y for the sixty card showcase, I figured I'd lean into that a little bit. So uh, we have one of my favorite X and Y cards. Uh, to talk about Inzernia, so let's talk about it. Josh, I think we're both very familiar with this card. <laughs> yeah, I'm very familiar. Uh, like you said in our intro, uh, Baylor played this card a lot back in the day oh, <laughs> when it, when it was legal. So much. It's a, it is a very good card. It's actually in our sixty card showcase. So, uh, I mean, that should tell you it was good back in its time. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely be talking a, a lot more about it later, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, this is like one of those cards that just like saw play throughout the entirety of the X and Y era, because like, you know, it, it originally got printed as a promo and in the X and Y base set, right? And then before it got rotated, it got reprinted uh, in Steam Seed, so you could keep using this card, and I mean, yeah, I, I basically... 
maybe not up until it rotated because you know it, it was around for early sun and moon so maybe didn't see a ton of play once those cards started coming out but you know before sun and moon this card was seeing play all the time we have xerneas uh, most notably for base set X and Y, like I said, it was also a promo. It also came out in Steam Siege. It's all the same card. has the same text. It's a basic 130 HP Fairy-type Pokemon. Please bring back Fairy-types 2023. It's got the attack Geomancy for one Fairy Energy. And this was kind of the big reason to play the card. Choose two of your benched Pokemon for each of those Pokemon. Search your deck for a Fairy Energy and attach it to that Pokemon. Shuffle your deck afterward. It also has Rainbow Spear for two Fairy and a Colorless. 100 damage, discard an energy attached to this Pokemon. Uh, you know, Rainbow Spear is a fine attack, uh, but mostly you were using it uh, to ramp energy in the early game. Yeah, you know, this was this was very powerful. If you were going turn two, or even on your first turn that you can attack, uh, ending it off when a Geomancy, when, you know, back then, energy acceleration was, uh, wasn't as easy as it is today. And uh, just being able to accelerate early game was super powerful. Yeah, this was back when energy acceleration through attacks was a viable, <laughs> yeah, rather, viable strategy. Yeah, rather attacks that didn't deal any damage or it was was viable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, this was this was great for a lot of decks, right? Like this was, like I said, like it's just early game ramp. Um, I think the most notable decks that uh, saw play, or like that this saw play, was like uh, Aromatis fairies. You know, there was like a. Actually, the Aromatis that we covered is our first card of the day or on the very first episode. You know, you would get the Fairy Energy into play with Geomancy and then Aromatis would allow you to move them around the board wherever you needed them. You know, you could attack with the with the Xerneas EX and then retreat into a different attacker, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, also, Saw Play, that archetype evolved into Mega Kangaskhan uh, Aromatis because uh, there was a Pyroar that blocked damage from basic Pokemon, so Xerneas EX wasn't a viable attacker anymore after that. So they went to the to the next best thing, and that was Mega Kangaskhan. Uh, saw play especially with the Mega Gardevoir from Primal Clash, which does more damage for each Fairy-type energy in play. And uh, that same strategy kind of came back again once Xerneas got a Break card, which basically had the same attack, more damage for more Fairy-type energy in play, so... That was kind of a common theme of like fairy type decks back then. It was just like you get a bunch of fairy type energy into play, and then it's just kaboom. And Xerneas <laughs> was the quickest way to get started. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, I mean, it was really good. It was a really good card. I uh, used to really get on my nerves. Like I said, Phelan played this card a lot back in the day, and boy, oh boy, did sometimes Xerneas just really get on your nerves. Yeah, I, I started it quite frequently. <laughs> yeah. And especially, yeah. dude, especially if you had like a slow start, I'd just be like, okay, Geomancy, Geomancy, I just keep doing it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And like you said, back in the day, like Rainbow Spear was not a bad attack at all either. So like, it was just an issue all around. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you also got to think, right? Like if you can kind of do it for a couple turns, I mean, that's two cards coming out of your deck each turn. Like that's some, that's... You know, combined with, like, the cards you're just naturally playing, like your supporters or, like, your ball search cards and stuff like that. Like, that's some, yeah. that's some pretty efficient deck thinning going on right there. It really is. So, yeah, that is going to be Xerneas. Uh, I mean, there's, there's not too much more to say about it. Like I said, it's 
it, it's it's fairly simple in what it does, but what it does, it does it very well. <laughs> and of Definitely. course, you know, like we said, we, we've we've got a ton of memories with this card. I played it a lot, um, and you yourself play it in the deck that we're going to be covering later in the episode. Uh, you know, th- this this card has kind of been around. Yep. In fact, it's, uh... I, got a, I got a few copies of it chilling in my X and Y master set. <laughs> <laughs> But that's going to do it for our card of the day. Xerneas from Base Set X and Y. Let us know what you think. Hit us up on Twitter at DamageCounter, DamageCounterPodcast at gmail.com if you prefer email. Or you can keep the conversation going in our community Discord. We're always talking about fun cardboard, shiny cardboard in there. Uh, So click the link, join the discussion. Come on in. Yeah, and uh, as always... If you have a card that you would like us to go over here on the podcast, we'd love to talk about it. Uh, only stipulations are it has to be an official Pokemon card, but besides that, uh, it could be whatever you want. I think we, I think we've hit all the basis points at this point. We've done Pokemon for sure, items, trainers. Uh, we've done the tool card, right? Mm-hmm. I think we've hit the broad spectrum there. I think. Or have we not done a tool card? No, I don't think we've done an item or a tool card. I don't think. That's where we did an item. Maybe I'm crazy. Uh, I don't anyway. know. We, we have like 34 episodes before this, <laughs> so I, I don't know. I could have missed it somewhere. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, anyway, point is, it doesn't just have to be a Pokemon for the Pokemon card. Uh, if you have a favorite card, send it to us here on the podcast. Uh, I think I've said before, if you have like a story or something along with that card or a funny game that you want to tell us about, please like link that too. We'll go over here on the podcast. Sometimes that makes it really interesting just to hear why this is somebody's favorite card. Yeah, the stories are absolutely the best part. But uh, yeah, like Josh said, any as long as it qualifies as an official Pokemon card, we'll talk about it. And if you think I can't fill a 15-minute segment about basic grass energy, I invite you to challenge me. <laughs> uh, yeah, didn't we? I mean, we just covered an energy last episode didn't we and we talked yeah, about it for like, this, yeah. yeah we talked about that for what like 20 minutes something <laughs> we, got, uh, we got a good discussion out of it for sure <laughs> yeah anything's uh-huh. possible here on this podcast but that's gonna do it for our card of the day segment let's go ahead and move into the news we got a lot of interesting product coming out and finally finally some translations from ruler of the black flame that i'm very excited to talk about so let's get into it <laughs> Alrighty, like I said, we do have a lot of product to go around uh, this time, so let's go ahead and jump right into things here. So just recently announced, uh, Crown Zenith is still getting new products. The Crown Zenith Unknown V and Lugia V Special Collection uh, has been revealed and will see a release on August 4th. Um. Now, uh, for those not in the know, Crown Zenith is the final Sword and Shield set that came out in January. Uh, and they've slowly been trickling out these special promo boxes since January. Uh, the most recent of which is the Shinization and Zamazenta V box. Or boxes, they're, they're separate products. Uh, comes with a Shinization V and a Shiny Zamazenta V, as well as a figure and a ton of packs. As far as we knew, that was going to be the last Crown Zenith product, but... Uh, no longer is that the case, as we now have this, uh, Unknown V and Lugia V Special Collection. Comes with a, uh, 
Jumbo Lugia V, a promo Lugia V, a promo unknown V, as well as a Lugia pin and a few Crown Zenith packs. Um, these specific artworks actually came out in a special collector's box in Japan day and day with the release of Paradigm Trigger. So I'm not sure why it took us this long to get these cards. Um, it, I'm sure it would have certainly helped a lot of people build Lugia in the Crown Zenith Silver Tempest format to have these promos. Uh, and I gotta say, I do like the artwork on the unknown. It is very menacing, very ominous for an unknown, and it's very funny to me. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I like this. I like that unknown, too. I, I do find this a little weird, to be honest with you. I, uh, I love and kind of hate Crown Zenith for this reason. Like, it, it is a really cool set that came with a lot of really cool cards. But I feel like, uh... They did kind of haul down on us a little bit to do this exact thing and release so many of these side products. And I'm not super happy about that, but I don't completely hate it. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like... For this one, at least, I will say that like at least this box will have standard legal cards in it, unlike the Zacian and Zamazenta boxes that are advertising promo cards that have rotated out of the format. Uh, which, you know, has just always been really weird to me. Um, so, I mean, I'll, I'll give them that at least. Um, but yeah, I mean, coming out so long... I, I mean, August 4th. I mean, the set came out, like, mid-January. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's kind of weird. But, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm always down for uh, Pokemon giving us uh, cards from Japan that never released... Um, because there are still quite a few cards from Japan that we didn't get in the Sword and Shield block. Most of them, most of them are one prizers that like probably wouldn't have saw play anyway. But like, there's a there's a there's a Lugia V Star artwork that we never got, so I don't know why this just wasn't a Lugia V and V Star box. You know, mm -hmm. you could have had all three of them in there. I, I think that would have been fine, but you know, we're missing like a Quagsire V, a Jirachi V, uh, the Lucario, the Rainbow Rare Lucario V Star. You know. Even a stadium yeah. card, which Peaceful Park, I don't remember what this does, but, you know, these are a lot of cards that we never got, and that's not, like, uncommon, to be honest. There usually ends up being a lot of cards that slip through the crack, um, you know, between generations. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, this this go-around, it's not very many, uh, which is, you know, good on them for that, but... Yeah, so I will say, I'm, I'm always down for this kind of stuff, but, the, yeah, the release of it is is weird, for sure. Yeah, definitely. It's a, uh, I don't know, the, like the cards through the cracks thing. I've always hated that about Pokemon. I I get it to an extent, but I don't know. Even if like the cards aren't that great or matter that much, usually, I always hate it just when like there's cards that we technically can't have or can't don't like can't use. You know. Yeah the uh, the infamous tag team all stars set from Japan that had just a bunch of crazy alternate art and full art trainers and Pokemon that we just never got and has mm -hmm. scarred the community to this day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, I felt like Pokemon's been slowly taking steps to rectify that, but I, I really hope they all could get, like, the entire world, honestly, on, like, one set rotation where we all have the same things available. Yeah, I feel like it's something they're working towards because, like I said, like the, like this is probably one of the smallest pools of cards that I've seen that I've just gone, like, you know, just 
kind of missing for us in a while. And like yeah. some of these is like whatever. Obviously, we have Lugia V Star, we have Lucario V Star, Jirachi V. We have in its full art from Astral Radiance, right? So it's not like we're technically not missing those, but it's just like these specific artworks. Um. So yeah, it it's still the. Uh... It's still not the best from like a collector's perspective, when, right, you know, right, or even yeah. just someone that like wants that artwork, because uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but Pokemon you just flat out can't use cards in other languages. Uh, yes, that is correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean that slightly sucks if it is like an artwork that you really love or something. I know that's a pretty niche reason, but uh, I mean it does suck sometimes because like there is. So a really sick card artwork that you want, or sometimes a card's just a lot cheaper in another language. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like we said, it does seem like they're taking steps to rectify that, so I won't harp too hard on that. But, I mean, I, I would still say if you need a Lugia or something like that for any reason, because I don't think Lugia is something you should write off completely, even if it's not good now. I I think Lugia, if it gets the right kind of support, could come back and be an absolute monster. So, might not be a bad idea to pick these up. Who knows? Yeah, I I, I guarantee you by the time this comes out, Lugia V-Star will still be one of the best decks in the game. So, you know, if, if you don't get them before then, at least you'll have a cheap option, right? Assuming that, you know, these promos end up being cheap, which I'm sure they will be, so... Uh, yeah, keep that in mind. Uh, again, that'll be coming out on August 4th. Will retail for $49.99, so a bit on the expensive side, but, uh, hey, at least you get some, uh, Crown Zenith packs with it. Which, that's a fun that set is... to open, by the way. I was about to say, that is true. Crown Zenith does have a lot of really sick cards you can pull out of it. I would be perfectly fine buying a whole bunch of Crown Zenith right now. <laughs> I know, that's what, that's one of those things I look at, is like, I don't need Lugias, because I know I'm not gonna want to play it, but... I'm not going to pass up an opportunity to open more Crown Zenith if I can afford it. It's a lot of fun to open. Definitely. Well, we have a little bit more product to talk about as well. Uh, we are getting more tins in the fall. Uh, this is something that Pokemon does a lot. You know, every couple months or so, they'll release new tins with special promo cards in them. Uh, the ones coming for this fall uh, are going to have... Meowskarada EX, Skeledurge EX, and Pukwavel EX as their promos, uh, all based off of, of course, their prints from uh, Paldea Evolved. You know, same cards, same text, same attacks, all that fun stuff. Just promos with different artwork. So, uh, again, this is one of those things where it's like, if you don't have these by the time that these come out, again, these are going to be cheap alternatives for you. Uh, you know, they, they may or may not be better artworks. That's up for you to decide. I personally think like the Meowskarada is like slightly better, but you know, is what it is. Uh, these are going to be coming out on September 1st, $26.99. So not too bad. Uh, you know, tin prices, just like everything else, has gone up a little bit. So I, I think the appeal of these for me is that there will be more ways to get these cards, you know, uh, maybe, maybe probably wouldn't just buy the tin and just buy the singles instead, but I will leave that up for y'all to decide. I, uh, I have a very soft spot for tins. I'm not gonna lie. Just because, uh, growing up, you know, tins were some of the cheaper, like, card game products you can get a hold of. So, if, like, I was getting Pokemon as a kid, you know, it was always usually a tin or something. Yeah, yeah. So, I can't help it, even though they're not the most optimal 
uh, purchase, I guess, if you're trying to play the game. <laughs> I always like buying Pokemon tins. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean, because I, I opened so many of those tins when I was a kid, and even as I got into the game competitively in high school, it's just like all the time with the tins, man. I remember getting like a Dialga level X, uh, pretty sure I got like a Torterra level X tin at one point, uh, I got like the Xerneas, the Eveltal tin, the Hoopa tin, I mean just everything, man. And, not really for card games. But the tins are great little storage containers for other things. Really I have, are. I bought like quite a few celebration tins when celebrations was out, like first coming out and whatnot. Uh, so like I have one that I use on my desk just to keep like random little stuff that I use all the time in it. <laughs> it's just all it's always on my desk. Get to look see little Pokemon celebrations. Yeah, you can't you can't knock the convenience of a good tin. Definitely. Yeah, so like I said, those will be coming out September 1st, retailing for $26.99. Pick them up if you're interested, uh, especially that Meowscarada one. Uh, Meowscarada is probably the best of the bunch, uh, so just keep that in mind. Now, as for more product, this isn't exactly... Uh, I, I wasn't originally sure if we should report on this or not, but I figured we could talk about this just real quick. Mm -hmm. uh, at the World Championships in Yokohama this year... There is going to be a World Championships 2023 Yokohama deck. So you can buy this, uh, you know, this little package here. It comes with a 10 deck case and a 60 card deck featuring uh, a Pikachu EX, same as the one from Paldea Evolved, uh, except with just this amazing artwork of Pikachu uh, with Miraidon uh, Mir and Koridon in the background. Super sick artwork. Um, I don't know what the rest of the deck entails. You know, we know it's got like the the one prize, Koridon and Miraidon, some research and Ultra Ball, you know, stuff like that. But uh, all of the all of which are in a special reverse hollow foil, by the way. But we know it has those and this Pikachu, and like that's about it. So I don't know what the other 50, 40 some odd cards are. Um, but these will only be available at the World Championships. They're gonna uh, retail. For about 3,500 yen, which is roughly about $25. So uh, if you're going to Worlds, maybe be on the lookout for this. Um, this product did get a lot of people talking because the uh, tin deck case, as well as the sleeves and stuff that comes with it, you know, it's got all the energy types around the Worlds logo. And uh, if you take a look, take a look at that 2 o'clock position. There's this weird pink icon there that I have not seen in several years. Oh... Got a yeah. lot of people talking that they put the fairy type icon on here. And I'm here to tell y'all, y'all are reading way too into this. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, bro, as much as I would love the fairy types to come back, you know I love me some fairy type Pokemon. It's not happening, bro. They've been teasing it? fairy types since Astral Radiance and nothing has come from it. I am not getting my hopes up for this. You think it's just like... What's part of the history is and make a cool like full logo or something kind of thing. Yeah, it's probably something like that. Or like they, they wanted to even it out and they just needed the extra energy symbol. Something like that. Or, or I mean, who knows? This could have just been some intern who just didn't know better, you know? Uh -huh. like, I mean, there's like a million reasons. Like I said, like the fairy type logo has been, has made several cameo appearances uh, uh -huh. since they've stopped printing uh, fairy type Pokemon. 
like on the Energy Lotto and Astral Radiance, uh, the ghastly artwork from Lost Origin also references the fairy type logo. Um, you know, I, I, there's been a there, there's been a, a lot of teasing it, but nothing to really come for it. I, I think I think the most evidence I can give you towards it is the fact that uh, it, it's basically Mimikyu EX and Tinkaton EX and the current standard format. They are portrayed as fairy-type Pokemon because they are psychics that are weak to metal. Mm-hmm. I think if they were like trying to hide the fact that they were wanting to bring fairy-types back, Mimikyu would be psychic and weak to dark, and Tinkaton would be metal, weak to fire. Kind of kind of avoiding the pseudo-fairy-type until they announce, like, oh, hey, the, you know, the pink cards are coming back. Yeah. That's just a theory, but... Uh, no, I can see where you're coming from with that. I, I don't know, I just think... I think it would take a lot, honestly, for them to decide to put it back into the game since they took it out. I, uh, they obviously have some kind of issues with it. I mean, we know what the issues are or what they said for the reason they felt the need to remove it. So I, I just don't see it coming back, to be perfectly honest. I, I wouldn't be against it, personally. I would be pretty much for that, honestly, because I, I do like pink cards, too. But uh, I, I do agree. I don't think it's happening. Yeah, we've made it very clear here on the podcast that we do not fully understand nor agree with the decision to remove fairy-type Pokemon, but it is what it is. Uh, like I said, people people were getting really excited about that. I'm like, y'all are, y'all are reading too deep into this, but I don't know. Hit, hit us up on our social medias, email, Discord. Hit us up. Let us know what you think. Do you think fairy-types are coming back? And you know what? I'll even try to remember to leave a Spotify poll for it for all of our Spotify listeners. <laughs> Let's see what the community thinks. I'd, I'd, I'd be I'd be interested to know. Yeah, I would too, definitely. Uh, in the meantime, Josh, we finally have some cards from Obsidian Flames slash Ruler of the Black Flame to talk about. Um, I gotta be honest, we, we mentioned it in the last episode how Obsidian Flames was first announced in English instead of Japan. A very rare case of uh, English revealing, or, you know, the, the English areas revealing cards in a set before Japan does. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's all kind of weird. Japan, right now, they're, you know, revealing a bunch of Pokemon 151 cards because they're getting that set first, but we won't be getting that set until after, or cards from that set until after Obsidian Flames, which is made up of cards that Japan is getting after Pokemon 151. So it's going to be like this really weird period where like Japan is playing with cards that we won't get. And then our format is going to be playing with cards that they didn't have before Pokemon 151. It's going to be really weird. Um, Yeah, it is. and, and, And that's admittedly why we haven't been covering the 151 reveals because while it, you know, it's, it's cool to see the reveals and talk about the cards. You know, we can't really give the full picture of what those cards are going to do like for our format over here, because we need the context of obsidian flames, right? Yeah. Like 151 is not the next set we're getting. We're getting that after sometime after obsidian flames. So like, you know, we don't know the full impact that those cards are truly going to have on our metagame, which is, Part of why we've been avoiding that for a while. We've got plenty of time to talk about it, I promise. But anyway, we have some reveals from Obsidian Flames. So uh, not only did the English uh, or the international areas announce Obsidian Flames before 
you know, Japan saw any of it from their set. But they also were the first one to reveal cards from the set. <laughs> which is I, uh, wild. Uh, yeah, definitely. I know off the podcast we've talked about this a little bit. Uh, it, it was weird to me, too. It it was actually it was a little more than weird. It was like very strange to me that it happened. Uh, and like you said, it, honestly, I find it a little annoying. Because like you said, it, it makes it hard to know the context of the 151 cards. Because we like we don't actually know yet. So, I don't know. It, it definitely has been a little strange. So I, I have been excited to finally get some, like, kind of <laughs> reveal for uh, Obsidian Flames. Yeah, you and me both. Well, let's go ahead and jump into it. So the first few cards revealed were actually our pre-release promos. Uh, again, kind of rare that these are the first things that we see, but uh, regardless of such, uh, our pre-release promos have Palafin, Cleffa, Togekiss, and Mawile. Some pretty interesting cards here. So we'll start with Palafin. Palafin's a stage one, 150 HP water type Pokemon uh, for one water energy. You got Jet Punch, 30 damage. The attack also does 30 damage to one of your opponent's bench Pokemon. Not a bad poke. Also getting some extra damage on the bench is always pretty good. We've seen attacks like this in the past. Um, I'm not sure if the old 30-30 cuts it anymore with the power crep HP, but... We also thought the same thing when Buzzwall GX came out, and that ended up being really good, so who knows. And then for two water energy, you got Justice Kick, 210 damage, which is a lot for two water energy on a stage one. And if this Pokemon didn't move from the bench to the active spot this turn, this attack does nothing. So you got to move him from the bench to the active and also have two water energy on him. But 210 damage, man, that's a lot. Pretty... Pretty, yeah, that's pretty respectable. Uh, can't sleep on my boy Palafin. No, not at I'm all. I'll tell you, it's a beast. Uh, definitely was was on my team for my <laughs> Violet playthrough. I I was looking for a water type because uh, I <laughs> I picked uh, I picked Miascarada for my starter. Obviously, if you picked anything else, I objectively think you're wrong. I'm gonna be honest. He's he's not lying. He he's spitting. He's spitting. <laughs> so uh, I was looking for a water type, you know. I found good old Palafin, and man, it, it was kind of love at first sight. Especially once I uh, got the evolution and started just like going into hero form and bodying people. Oh my god, Palafin be bodying people for sure. Bro, that that Terra Water Wave Crash hit different. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. So. I'm actually excited to see this card. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I think it was one of the last few Gen 9 Pokemon to have uh, receive a Pokemon card. And there's also a possibility that it sees a little bit more love in the next set, which is kind of going to be water-themed uh, Raging Surf. But uh, we'll I would it. find it slightly crazy if Palafin doesn't get an EX, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, I think I agree. All right, uh, next one up on the list here, we got Cleffa. Uh... I'm not going to lie, I find this one a little weird for a promo. N nothing against Cleffa, or my Cleffa fans out there. <laughs> but, uh, uh, I mean, it doesn't seem too bad, so we got Cleffa for 30 HP here. Uh, just grasping draw, draw until you have 7 cards in your hand. For no energy. So, definitely not a bad card, I mean, very squishy, not going to live long. But if you start with this and... Can burn your hand down turn two, you can get a free refill, basically. 
Also worth noting, it has free retreat, which I like a lot. Oh yeah, I missed that. It does have free retreat, so makes it slightly better. Makes it more maneuverable. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it would essentially just be a pivot that draws you cards if you absolutely need it, right? Which is kind of nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I'm actually a big fan of this kind of bringing back the baby Pokemon mechanic. Um, I don't like how vulnerable it is. Old baby Pokemon usually uh, like because the original baby Pokemon were like you had to flip a coin if you wanted to damage it. And then they kind of nerfed that to where they were immune if they were asleep. And then they just all had attacks that put them to sleep. And then when they did baby Pokemon again in Sun and Moon, they basically, you know, did stuff like this. But as an ability that ended your turn. So you could keep them on the bench mm -hmm. and keep them safe. Um, I'm not a fan of having them have to go back to active uh, and, you know, end your turn. So it's uh, it's it's a bit dicey. I will say that this is a card that I think immediately sees next to zero play because 30 HP in a Sableye format just sounds like a recipe for disaster. Um, yeah. But definitely. as we get... Basically, once we rotate out all the Sword and Shield sets and it's nothing but Scarlet and Violet stuff and we're playing more setup-based decks, like, you know, Stage 2 EXs and stuff like that, Cleffa suddenly becomes a lot better. Because then it's like, okay, well, you know, we don't have to worry about turn 2 Lost Mine anymore, right? Everybody's playing slower decks, you gotta set up. A great way to set up, you just get this little baby Pokemon out in the active, you're like, okay, well, I'm still evolving my Pokemon, I'm not really fully set up yet, so instead of just passing turn, why don't I just end my turn drawing some cards you know like mm -hmm. very good you don't have to have like a two prizer and play to do it you know like zation v or rotom v you know how how we kind of do it in the in the modern format you know so i like cleffa a lot but it's not probably gonna see any play until after sable eye rotates But moving right along here, I am gonna I am gonna gonna skip ahead here a little bit because this is one of my favorite Pokemon. We got Mawile. Mawile is a 90 HP basic Pokemon. Uh, has the ability Special Eater. When you play this Pokemon from your hand onto your bench during your turn, you may discard a special energy from your opponent's active Pokemon. Uh, so not bad. A little bit of energy denial. It's kind of what Mawile does. Uh, a lot of Mawile cards are disruptive like that. Um, not. 100% sure how viable that is. Special Energy is very good in the format. Uh, double Turbo Energy is everywhere. Of course, Lugia plays every Special Energy under the sun. Um, but I gotta be honest, primarily the Special Energy I want to target with this is Fusion Strike Energy, but you can't target that with this because this is an ability. So I'm not really sure how I feel about it. Uh, could be good, could be niche. We'll have to wait and see. Maybe a control card, possibly. Uh, and it has the attack Sharp Fang, Metal and Two Colorless, 90 damage. Uh, not really in there for the attack, more for the ability. Um, which, again, I think is just kind of niche. Uh, so we'll have to see. I, again, I think it could possibly find home in some kind of control deck. But outside of that, probably doesn't see play outside of the pre-release. Yeah, it, uh, it definitely looks interesting. But I have to agree, I don't think... Uh... It's going to have its time to shine for a minute. <laughs> I guess that's the best way to say it. 
Anyway, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to round it off here with Tokakiss, a uh, classic. Actually, I don't think I've seen a Tokakiss card like in play since I got back into the game. So it's been I don't think wild. I've even really seen one. Yeah. yeah I can't really I th- even think of one that I've seen. I'm sure there's been at least one fairly recently. Yeah, I think there were two in Sword and Shield. There was a Togekiss line in Astral Radiance, I think. Mm-hmm. And then there was a Togekiss VMAX in Vivid Voltage, which was okay. Hmm. Interesting. Well, so we got Togekiss here with the ability Precious Gift. Once at the end of your turn, after you attack, you may use this ability. Draw until you have eight cards in your hand. I really like that, honestly. Uh, yeah, just uh, just top off there at that... the end of the turn. Yeah, this uh, nothing in there. Correct me if I'm wrong. That says this has to be the active Pokemon. So nope. as long as it's in play. Yeah. So if you mean you get Tokekiss on the bench at the end of every turn, you can top off. Which, granted, this Tokekiss is a stage two, so you got to you do got to do a little bit of work to get there. But that's still not that's still not bad in my opinion, especially because it's attack Power Cyclone for two colorless energy does 110, and you can move an energy from this Pokemon to one of your bench Pokemons. Plus, it has zero retreat. I actually really like this card. The more yeah. I read, the more I like. <laughs> yeah, I had the same reaction to it when I saw it. Um, and, I mean, you gotta think, right? Like, Radiant Venusaur saw some pretty niche play uh, in, in some decks, and that had a similar ability, except it was draw to yet four. Uh, so... Yeah, I mean, like you said, you do have to go through the effort of stage of getting a stage two setup. So the decks that are decks that can use this are going to be a little bit limited just by the space that you need for this. But I don't think it's necessarily terrible. Uh, and I also I, I also appreciate how this doesn't like just flat out ruin hand disruption in a lot of ways because like you know you could get Iano to three, but because you drew at the end of your turn, like that Iano still gets to be effective, right? So. Uh, it's a it's an interesting way of preventing or like getting getting some cards, getting some additional cards, uh, be it after like hand disruption or you know just casually at the end of your turn. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume this has the same ruling as Radiant Venusaur, where you draw the cards after uh, you take your prize cards if you take any that turn. Um. So I, I we imagine. probably need a ruling on that because after your attack is a little vague, but mm-hmm. uh, you know it is what it is. But yeah, that is the four pre release promos revealed. Uh, Japan after their Japan Championships did reveal a few more cards from the set. I want to go over here for you. Um, there's quite a few, but uh, we're only going to cover the EXs uh, for the time being as well as uh, the few trainer cards that are here. Uh, and if you want us to go more in-depth on some of the other cards revealed, definitely hit us up and let us know if you want our thoughts on that. But for right now, I think the only relevant ones to talk about are the EX Pokemon. So let's go ahead and get into it. I'll start things off with Ice Q EX, who is a uh, normally would be a water-type Pokemon, but is Terra Fire. So a Fire-type Ice Q EX, basic Pokemon, 210 HP. Uh, unfortunately, the Terra rule is still Bench Barrier, which is kind of lame, and that goes for all of these Pokemon, mm-hmm. which is kind of lame, but is what it is, I guess. 
Uh, for three water energy, you deal 160 damage, discard an energy from this Pokemon, and the defending Pokemon cannot attack during your opponent's next turn. So kind of the theme with Ice Q is finding a way to prevent your Pokemon, your opponent's Pokemon from attacking. We've seen this in the past with like Evolving Skies Ice Q that prevents damage from basics on the next turn. The Ice Q from Paldea Evolved, which is a guaranteed paralysis if you discard all the energy, stuff like that. So pretty interesting effect on the Ice Q here. Um, there unfortunately is like a lot of switching in the format right now uh, a lot of switching, a lot of retreating there are a few decks that don't do it super frequently um, but generally speaking I don't think you're punishing very many decks with this attack 160 is fine uh, my big thing is how are we powering this guy out? like that's 3 water energy, right? it's not a V so we can't use Melanie we can't use Arceus um, I actually, I completely forget Baxcalibur is a thing. <laughs> so we can just <laughs> rain dance all this energy onto him. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, you're only discarding one, so unlike something like Chen Pao, you're not having to replace a whole ton of energy turn after turn. But, I don't know, 210 HP is kind of frail, and the effect, while neat, I don't think does enough in the current format right now. Yeah, I I have to agree. I uh not not to write it off completely, but I, I don't think that it's really excuse time to shine. <laughs> yeah, maybe in the alternate reality where Fortress Wochien is best deck in format, we can use him. Yeah. Because they're weak to fire, so <laughs> Yeah. But uh that's a Iskew EX, so We'll move on to our other EX Pokemon here with Tyranitar EX, which uh, is Terra Lightning, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, a neat little callback to the Delta species Tyranitar EX, which was also a lightning type. You gotta love that. Yeah, definitely. So, we got Tyranitar here, his first attack for one fighting energy. Mountain Crumble, 120 damage. Discard the top two cards of your deck. Uh, I mean, that's pretty good, honestly. One energy, you're doing 120. That's not bad. Yeah, I mean, considering that, like, a, a lot of the other EXs, they're, like, one energy poke attacks. I mean, you think of Ampharos EX, one energy 60. It's not bad, but, you know, this is, this is one energy 120, which is kind of nuts. Yeah, and I mean, discard two isn't the worst thing in the world, especially especially depending on how you're building the deck. But uh, there always is that slight risk there with discard. You know, you you never know what that card's gonna be. It could be something that you really need immediately or later on. It's kind of the risk you take, but that's not bad, honestly. And it's second attack for two fighting energy, toll rampage. 150 plus damage. If any of your bench Pokemon have any damage counters on them, this attack does 100 more damage. So, I mean, that's really good right there. It's it's pretty easy to get a bench Pokemon with damage counters. And then you're doing 250 base for 2 energy. Yeah. 2 for 250 <laughs> so, is uh, pretty nuts, yeah. So obviously that's the main attack you would be using if you're using Tyranitar here, which is pretty crazy. Like I said, uh... It, it wouldn't be that hard. There's ways that you could even just damage yourself really quick to get uh, that 250 damage. So I actually really like this. I think that's pretty cool. 
it does have a whopping 340 hp too i, yeah, I was about to out. say you, a, yeah you cannot this, overlook that that's a big number <laughs> this is a tanky boy here uh i do want to say too it, it does have a retreat of four and retreating is a lot harder these days so <laughs> if this boy's in your active uh you better hope you're ready to start swinging yeah, he'll probably be there for a while for sure. But yeah, yeah I mean, but, uh, it's, it's I mean, very I really like this. Efficient. I think this. Uh, um, I admittedly was hoping has a potential to, to do some interesting stuff. Uh, best deck in the format, probably not. But I think this. Looks yeah, no. Cool. It, but like you know, like I said, very energy efficient. You know, one for one twenty and two for two fifty is pretty solid. Um, the only thing that's like. I kind of wish it was attacking for dark energy instead of fighting. That way it could synergize with the stage 2 dark type Tyranitar from Paldea Evolved. But it is what it is, I guess. Yeah. It it does make things slightly awkward. Yeah, but you can't argue with those stats at the end of the day. <laughs> no, you can't. All right, well, the last EX we have to talk about is the poster child of the set himself, Charizard EX. Stage 2 Darkness-type Pokemon, Terra Dark Charizard, 330 HP, has the ability Infernal Control. When you play this card from your hand to evolve a Pokemon during your turn, you may search your deck for up to three basic fire energy cards and attach them to your Pokemon in any way you like, then shuffle your deck. You get a Trinity Nova effect just by evolving into Charizard EX. I'm going to put this in my expanded Eternatus deck. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. Yo, man's is cooking over here, bro. <laughs> That's what I immediately started thinking about. <laughs> play Charizard in Eternatus? Sign me up. And this looks really good. It does. It, yeah, dude. The, the artwork looks sick. The ability is insane. The attack is insane. Two fire energy, burning darkness, 180 plus damage. This attack does 30 more damage for each price card your opponent has taken. So let, let, let's just stop there for a second. Two for 180 is pretty good just on its own. And the more your opponent wins, the stronger you get, right? So, yeah. I mean, this goes from 180 to 210 to 240, 210 to 40, 270, 300 at four prize cards, 300 at four. With 330 HP. So he's pretty strong. Like, this is kind of crazy. Like, imagine you're almost there. You, you're fighting your way through. You got like two prize cards left. And suddenly. Charizard EX is in the active. It just starts walloping you. Yeah, they go, uh, yeah, Evolve, Infernal Control, Iono to 2, Burning Darkness for a bajillion damage. <laughs> oh, Lord, this card is crazy. The joke with Charizard is that, like, you know, the joke is, is that they print a bunch of Charizard cards, but most of them are not ever super good. This is probably the best Charizard card ever printed. I mean, this yeah, card this is, is really good. This card is insane, uh, and it'll actually combo pretty well with like the Charizard coming from Pokemon One Fifty One. 
You could combo this with the Charizard from Pokemon Go. I mean, like, there is a potential, like, Charizard box, <laughs> like, you could just build, which is kind of cool to think about, honestly. It's also, it's also really funny that its darkness type makes it weak to grass. <laughs> that is kind of funny. Uh, there's a lot of interesting things about this card. So I gotta say, for the first time in a long time, probably ever, actually, if I'm being honest, I'm mm. looking forward to a Charizard card. This actually looks sick. Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely want to look at a. Definitely gonna look into putting that into that. Might like this might make me build an expanded Eternatus deck just because. I think I can do some crazy stuff anyway. I mean, Eternatus is already crazy and expanded. But uh, that looks really fun. And this looks fun for Standard. I'm definitely going to look at building Standard Charizard EX. Yeah, Just because, I... like, you, like you said, Charizard, the beam always is. It's They're usually not that good. So, I don't know if I can pass this opportunity up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I think I'm actually going to try to build this one too. Because it, it does look pretty sick. Um, but we do have a couple trainer cards. Uh, we got a supporter and an item here. Josh, you want to uh, go ahead and start us off with the supporter? Yeah. So we got Poppy here, uh, trainer card. So you can move up to two energy from one of your Pokemon to another of your Pokemon. Uh, I mean, I could see the use for this, but burning your trainer to move two energy doesn't sound that appealing to me personally yeah I, th I think this is another one of those cards that just needs to wait until like v's are rotated before it maybe sees play because yeah. i mean this this used to be like an item card in sun and moon uh granted mm. it only worked with tag team pokemon so it was kind of restrictive but um yeah that's that's a pretty reserved effect for a supporter uh i could see this maybe in miraidon decks because, uh, you know, the electricity generator only accelerates to the bench, right? And sometimes the Pokemon you want to attack with is in the active, and you're just like, I can't use the generator because I can't attack with what I want. So, like, in theory, you could, like, pop the generator, get two onto a bench Pokemon, play Poppy, and then move them up to the active. That's kind of a cool play you can do there, but I, I really can't think of any other use case here. Um... Worth noting, it does say two energy, so it's not limited to basic mm -hmm. energy. You can move special energy with this, which is kind of cool. Uh, again, I don't think that helps its use cases at all, but it's worth noting, I suppose. Yeah. But to go along with Poppy, we have the Letter of Encouragement. You can play this card only if any of your Pokemon were knocked out during your opponent's last turn. Search your deck for up to three basic energy cards, reveal them, and put them into your hand, then shuffle your deck. So, kind of like Professor's Letter, except you kind of need to suffer a knockout first. Uh, mm -hmm. But three basic energy? That's a lot. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of playing cards that play into, like, you losing a Pokemon, you know? I definitely could see the uses of them, and there's definitely good ones like Raihan and whatnot, but I'm not a huge fan of having to hold on to a resource until I lose a Pokemon to be able to use it. Not to say that this is bad. I definitely can see like where this could be good, but 
I'm kind of meh about it, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I, I could understand that. Um, and it, it's just another one of those things where it's just like, okay, well, like, what's the use case for this, right? And I think yeah. the only things I can think of are like maybe Qian Pao decks. You know, after you lose a Qian Pao, you can pop this, get three energy, uh, promote the Qian Pao, use its ability to get two, and then like suddenly you're accelerating just like a ton of energy that turn. But like, you kind of get the same effect just by promoting Chien Pao, switching to a different Chien Pao, and using both of their abilities. And then you have superior energy retrieval. Um, and if you get this late in the game, you've probably already plucked all the energy out of your deck, so that's a little weird. Um, I could see this in Gardevoir as well. You know, you're constantly, like, throwing one-prizers at them. Uh, especially, like, in the early game, like, you're trying to, like, feed them the Mew or the Cresselia while you set up, and then you can just be like, all right, hey... Letter of Encouragement, grab three energies, uh, you know, discard, discard, discard with like Refinement or Ultra Ball or a Professor's Research, you know, get them into the bin faster. Um, so, I mean, there's a few use cases for it, but I'm not sure if it's going to see widespread play immediately, you know. Yeah. Either way, that's going to do it for the reveals uh, from the Obsidian Flame set. Hopefully we'll have more to talk about in upcoming episodes because pretty excited for the rest of uh, what that set has to offer. We still have plenty of EXs that have been uh, yet to been revealed, but in the meantime, we still have a few other news stories to talk about before we start getting into the recent tournaments that have happened. Um, I believe we reported on this several episodes ago, but uh, Pokemon was looking for special TCG-related stories to talk about. They were going to do this special video series about these stories, and we're finally hearing word about it again. Uh, this is How Do You Play Pokemon TCG Documentary Series. Uh, it's going to be a three-part documentary uh, about a bunch of different stories in the TCG. Um, and, you know, they, they kind of go into describing it, like how a teacher discovered ways to bond with her students through the TCG, uh, long-time Pokemon fans playing the game, uh, you know, becoming world champions, stuff like that. So um, this is set to, let me see here. Yeah, the first episode debuts, actually, by the time you're listening to this, it will have debuted on Tuesday, uh, June 13th. And by the time this episode comes out, episodes two and three will be available. So if you're interested in hearing some uh, some good stories about playing the Pokemon TCG Definitely go check it out on Pokemon's website. They might also probably upload this on their YouTube channel as well. Um, not too much really to say about it. I just wanted to follow up on that because I know I'm pretty sure we did report on it when they announced it. But I mean, we talk about it all the time. The stories are like the best part of this kind of stuff. So I'm always down for this kind of stuff. So just wanted to put the put that out there, you know. Yeah, I think it's cool. It's uh, It's always interesting in like any kind of uh, media or whatever community that you enjoy, or I guess not community, just whatever kind of like media or whatever or thing that you enjoy and hearing about how like that thing has brought different people together and made like for positive experiences is always like super cool to hear about no matter what it is. It, But it's always better when it's like something that's near and dear to you. You know what I mean? Yeah, hundred percent. And I I can say personally that the Pokemon TCG community is full of that kind of stuff. So uh, I'm sure I'm sure it'll be good. Uh, I'm definitely gonna give them a watch. 
see what see what it's all about. Uh, but yeah, again, just wanted to get that information out there. Now, as we move into our final news story, uh, this one is a bit more serious. Um, for those that kind of keep up with things, especially on Twitter and stuff like that, uh, there was an incident uh, at Hartford Regionals regarding the regional champion in the Masters division, uh, Rowan Stavenau. Uh, again, if you're kind of in the Twitter space, you've probably seen and heard all about this. Uh, we opted to not mention it uh, on the previous episode. By the time we'd got around to recording, it seemed like a lot of the stuff had come out and people had realized that Rowan wasn't exactly in the wrong here and people were willing to forgive him. Um, but we do bring this up because uh, Pokemon, a couple months ago, uh, you know, they came out and said, like, hey, we're going to start doing public statements about stuff like this that happens at our events. We want to be transparent with the community, all this stuff. So... Uh, we have a, our first statement from Pokemon uh, outlining their investigation uh, with the events that uh, happened with Rowan at the Hartford Regionals. Uh, so just to quickly read through it, uh, they say, We are aware a player accused of egregious behavior that falls well outside of expectations for the play Pokemon community. Our investigation into this incident has resulted in the following conclusions. The player in question, Rowan Stavano did not take an active role in what led to the accusation. Two other persons, both from the player community and the peer group of the accused player, were determined to be responsible for the content that led to the accusation. Three other persons from within the player community published the content and presented it publicly in a way intended to inflict damage upon the accused party. Currently, our findings do not support taking any disciplinary action against the accused player, should more information come to light, we reserve the right to update our decision accordingly. Following an additional investigation, those who created the content used against the accused player may face long-term disciplinary consequences in the play program. So we'll provide a little bit of context here. Uh, there was a video that released of regional champion Rowan Stavenow, his friends, shaving a hate symbol into his head. We won't, you know, we'll, we'll trigger warning this and not mention it specifically um, Rowan was not aware. They were just kind of, you know, in their mind, they were goofing around, but they shaved it into the back of his head and he couldn't see it, uh, and was unaware of what was going on. And, uh, yeah, after he won the regional, his friends went and posted it, posted that video online, which is, just, I, I'm just, I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. That's just stupid. Like, first off, you shouldn't have done it in the first place, but secondly, posting it publicly is just one of the stupidest things you could do, especially after your friend went and won a regional, you know, like, I, I just don't know, man. Yeah. I, uh... It's a weird situation, and... I'm glad that, uh... I think Pokemon handled this very well. And I'm very happy with that answer. But I would like to say, just as in general... And this is in regards to playing Pokemon. And just, uh... Basically, an entire your entire life, because I know there is a younger demographic in Pokemon and stuff. And when you're uh, when you're younger, and this is gonna make me feel old, uh, doing things doesn't seem as serious as it can be. So I would just like to say, just because you think something might be funny or in like your friend group context, it's okay. That does not uh, make it okay. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and 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 that was one thing I wanted to say. Not not that this necessarily like exonerates Rowan of anything, because you know if that kind of stuff ends up becoming a joke in your friend group, like there's a problem to begin with. Um, you know, even even in a friend group, like you you gotta call that stuff out. There are limits. That symbol means a lot of really dark and bad things to a lot of people out there. It hurts a lot of people even just looking at it, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, even in your friend groups, don't be afraid to draw the line. And a lot of the community spoke out against this. They were quick to jump on it and be like, hey, that is not okay. We don't support that here. This isn't, you know, we can't have this in our community. So I do want to give a big shout out to the community for just being quick to jump on it and be like, hey, that that's just straight up not okay. Um, and again, like you said, I, I, I myself am satisfied with Pokemon's response here. I do personally believe Rowan that he had no idea and that, you know, he wasn't really to blame here, but again, that's not to exonerate him of anything because, you know, once, once that kind of stuff becomes a joke in your friend group, you kind of need to take a step back and be like, Hey, that, you know, it's just not okay. It's just not okay. Yeah, definitely. It's a... It's just not something that is okay. Like you said, you d- you shouldn't be joking around about it. You definitely shouldn't be doing that to other people without their knowledge. Just because, uh, I mean, let's be honest, this is the internet. It's very easy for things to get out there and get misconstrued, just depending on how fast it spreads and what's being told. And it could really hurt somebody in the first place doing that jokingly. I think as we've seen how this situation could have could have gone potentially, it really could have affected him. So just uh, like Phelan said, call it out. It's not okay to even really joke about these things like that. It could not only affect you uh, more than you think it would. It's harmful to the people that it affected in the first place, and why it's not okay to bring it up. You know, just be all around smart and responsible. We're all here to have fun and play card games. Uh, you wouldn't want to do anything that makes it where you can't play the card game officially anymore. Yeah. Especially absolutely. if you don't follow that line of thought or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want to construe yourself as that kind of person. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. But, you know, on the brighter side of things... This is a great step forward for Pokemon because they've not done statements like this in the past. Like, they've just kind of operated in the shadows. People never really know if anybody gets punished for anything or if there are ever any bans that happen. Things like that. Like, the the community has been left in the dark about a lot of other kind of happenings at regionals. Um, So, I mean, this is... This is a great step in the right direction for Pokemon being transparent with the community. And I mean, yeah, I think this is great. Like more of this, please. Yeah, definitely. It's a, uh, it's always very nice to know that the makers of, uh, you know, your community is supporting you. So, I mean, we, we all, I think deserve to know, and it should be said when people are in the wrong or what's going on, just, to make a clear picture about everything, I help. I think it helps make it a lot more cut and dry. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it also makes it more apparent that like Pokemon yeah. is like working actively to... working towards bettering the community and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, which is which is amazing. So, 
uh, hats off to Pokemon for that. Um, you know, hopefully we don't see very many of these statements in the future, but you can never really tell uh, with this kind of stuff. Uh, generally, we're pretty good. You know, generally the community is pretty good about it, but every now and again, <laughs> every now and again, we you know, got got to belt out a statement, I guess. But uh, yeah, so. Again, hats off to Pokemon for finally giving us statements. You'll love to see it. Uh, but I think we're ready to talk about some tournaments. Had quite a few of them happen over the past two weeks. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump right into these, starting with Milwaukee Regionals. Yours truly was in attendance. Had a good time. Fortunately, not making day two, so I can't talk about myself on the podcast right now. But um, yeah, so we had uh, how many? It was. 1,112 players, according to Limitless. Uh, I see a few interesting things outside of top eight that I like. There's a couple of Darkrai's here, which is just still weird to see. It's not the <laughs> first time Darkrai's made two, day two, but it's still weird. Mm -hmm. um, I think most notably, though, is this kind of new Arceus variant. Uh, labeled Arceus Aerodactyl here on Limitless, I think it is more accurate to say Arceus Clefkey. This is a quad Arceus deck with a, I think it's a 2-2 Aerodactyl line. It might be 2-2-1-1, depending on the player. And a playset of Clefkeys. The idea trying to slow down Mew, trying to slow down Lost Box, and having Aerodactyl to slow down things like Lugia. And just overall be a pain. You know, you got Arceus. Arceus is this big, beefy attacker. Uh, kind of difficult to get through. Especially when you're being forced by ability lock everywhere. Uh, so really interesting archetype. Uh, a whole testing group came out with it and did pretty good. Uh, none of them made top 8, unfortunately. But uh, pretty interesting archetype. You know I love seeing new Arceus decks. Uh, got another Palkia Gardevoir running around. Love to see that. Uh, but I think that's, that's all the spicy stuff that I see outside of the top 8. Yeah, I... Uh... I don't really see anything I feel the need to call out. Yep, moving into the top eight itself, we have Michael Long playing Mew Genesect, Jared Wojtala playing Gardevoir, Grant Manley with a Lost Zone box, the uh, Kyogre variant, I believe it was, uh, Brian Okray playing Mew Genesect, Azul Garcia Griego, top four Lost box, uh, again, Kyogre variant, uh, ben Cryer playing Arceus Giratina. Caleb Gedimer getting to the final second place with Lost Zone Box. Again, Kyogre. Uh, if you weren't aware, by the way, Grant Manley, Azul Garcia Griego, and Caleb Gedimer are all on the same testing group, by the way. So that's the same 60 in three spots in top eight. <laughs> and then Obviously taking a very good 60. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Taking it all home, though, Henry Brand invading the U.S. from Australia, winning the whole thing with Gardevoir EX. Gardevoir's first major win. How about that? I, uh, I'm sure we'll go over this more in the main discussion, but for right now, I'm just going to say I called it. You really did, to be honest. I, I, we, we, have it, we have the receipts. Go listen to the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was very happy to see Gardevoir take it. And... <laughs> The, obviously, uh, I thought it was pretty crazy 
when I was looking at this list because I definitely checked it out earlier. You know, my boy made uh, made his goal, so I wanted to check out the Milwaukee tournament. So when I saw that there was three of the same list in the top eight, I thought that was pretty crazy. I don't think we talked about that yet, but yeah, all kinds of wild. Uh, you know, Gardevoir winning, and especially with like three lost box and top and top cut. Lost yeah. Box being a pretty bad matchup for Gardevoir, it's like it's like a miracle run almost. Yeah, uh, especially getting there in the finals. Now, admittedly, admittedly, Caleb did draw kind of bad in the finals, which allowed uh, Henry to get ahead. But I mean, not to take anything away from Henry, he is the 2019 World Champion. You know, <laughs> he's a very skilled player. If anybody was going to be able to do it, it was either him or Tord, right? So, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, pretty cool list. Uh, not anything too out of the ordinary, really. Kind of kind of deviating from Torrid a little bit, having the two Zacian and the two Chilling Rain Gardevoir, as well as a Choice Belt in there, which is pretty interesting. Uh, but overall, pretty standard stuff. Uh, and again, you know, you've got uh, Caleb, Azul, Grant Manley all play in the uh, Turbo Lost Box with the Dragonite and the Kyogre. Kind of same list they've been running for a while. Uh, had a pretty good performance. Uh, shout outs to Brian for the Manaphy and the Mew <laughs> and the Mew Genesec. <laughs> I love seeing that. Definitely identifying that Kyogre was in a very strong uh, position for this tournament. So he's like, yeah, let me just pack the Manaphy for this go around. Uh, you gotta love it. But uh, overall, yeah. Uh, nothing else really too out of the ordinary in the rest of the lists. Um, Let's see, Jared's uh, Gardevoir list is uh, pretty similar to the last list that Tord used, I want to say, at... Oh, I don't remember what regional it was, but, you know, it's pretty close to that. Uh, Michael Long's Mew Genesect. It's about as Mew Genesect as it gets, you know. So, good stuff there. Congratulations to all the competitors. It was pretty cool to see Henry Brand come over to a U.S. regional I'm not sure if any of the Australia players have done that before outside of NAIC. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was cool to see Henry Brand there. I walked by him a couple times. Like I got to the venue on Friday. I was walking around, checking out the vendors before we got to the hotel. I was walking around and I saw him and I was like, that looks like Henry Brand. What is... No, it couldn't be. And I like, I was at a vendor and I heard him talking behind me. He's like, oh my God, that's it. What, what is he doing here? <laughs> So it was a bit of a surprise, but uh, uh-huh. not at all surprising to see him win it. That's for sure. Now, moving on over to Italy, we also had special event Turin. Um, not too much uh, to really call out outside of the top eight. Um, again, I got more interesting Arceus variants for you because that's all I do these days. Uh, Alexander Rudowicz, uh playing like an Arceus Bibero list with a uh, Evolving Skies Moltres. Kind of going back to the Brilliant Stars, teching in the Galarian Moltres. Really strong card. Kind of helps you out against Gardevoir quite a bit. And of course, you got the Bibero for consistency. Fun stuff. Uh, Lucas Henrique de Arajo Pereira. I apologize if I messed up your name, good sir. Uh, play an Arceus Umbreon, not Arceus Duraludon Umbreon, no, just straight Arceus Umbreon. Uh, you know, going with the 2-2 Umbreon and a 1-1 Sandaconda VMAX, of all things. 
Uh, not really sure what that's for, but I mean, hey, got him a day two finish, so... <laughs> Can't argue with the results. No, definitely not. And uh, I'm going to be honest, I think one day, one of these crazy Arceus variants is going to come out and just clean house <laughs> at a regional or something. Someone's going to crack the code and just come out, and we're going to be talking about one of these crazy variants. I mean, we saw it at EUIC with Alex Shemansky's Arceus Duraludon Vulpix deck, you know, and then the Arceus Duraludon Umbreon deck came out. I mean, the Arceus piles are coming out in full force uh, in this format, so don't don't call it a comeback. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say a comeback, but I mean... It's just, I don't know, I've always said I don't think Arceus is going to be bad the entire time it exists. It's definitely had its rough patches, but I think there's always the potential, you know what I mean? That, that There's always a way to make that deck work. It it just does everything. Mm -hmm. It's beefy, it's efficient, it accelerates energy, it searches for cards, it's just like Starbirth is like some of the most craziest built-in consistency I mean, the card does everything. And every, and if there's something you think it can't do, there is a partner you can pair it with that will allow it to do that thing. <laughs> I mean, Arceus is just absurd, man. I love that card so much. Definitely. Uh, pinnacle of V-Stars, in my opinion. I'm going to be honest. I think there's been a lot of other good V-Stars, but I think Arceus, it was one of the first we got, and it's just, it's so hard to beat. Yeah, you can't really argue with a with a good Arceus deck. It's it's gonna get into the game every time, and it's gonna do what it wants, right? You know, might be lacking in the damage here and there, depending on the build. But again, you there are partners that can fix that. <laughs> now, I will note one interesting thing about like comparing like U.S. regional results to European regional results. There is a lot more Sablezard in this day two metagame. Uh, Sablezard was identified as pretty strong early on in the format. A uh, good number of American players were playing it. Uh, Azul's group took it to EUIC. But after EUIC, Sablezard just kind of fell off the face of the earth, uh, you know, in the American space. But in Europe, it, I mean, it's as strong as ever. They, they love playing Sablezard over there. And you know what? I don't blame them. Sablezard is a really good deck. And... Uh, Probably my pick as far as Lost Box goes. I'm not going to lie to you. It, yeah, it's definitely very good. I think this just goes to show uh, just because the deck's not popular where you're at or around does not mean that deck is not good. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know there are, there are some people that think that they shouldn't play things because uh, it's not popular in their area. But sometimes, actually for fairly regularly... There are some really good decks that just uh, people aren't paying attention to, depending on where you're playing, like here in the U.S. Yeah, like Lost on Giratina V-Star. Yep. Anyway. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I mean, yeah, it's definitely, it's really cool to see. I, I always love looking at other countries' metas, because they are slightly different, and it is interesting to see what's more popular, you know, over there. Yeah, actually, now that I look at it, Gardevoir is a lot more popular here in Europe, too, apparently. Listen, we're just, uh, I'm going to be honest, we're just dumb here in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, it was, I'm not necessarily going to disagree with you, right? Because Japan was like, yeah, Lost okay. of Giratina is broken. Europe's I'll, like, I'll... Sables Art's broken. Gardevoir's broken. And we're over here like, nah, those decks suck. And I'm like, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> oh, yeah, oh it, 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 it is interesting, for sure. I, I, I don't get it, but let's go ahead and break down the top eight here before we get too carried away. Eighth place, Anthony Argenta playing Arceus Giratina. 7th place, Jack Gregory Campbell with Mew Genesect. 6th place, Fabio Battistella playing, uh, sorry, Lost Zone Box. That's Turbo Lost Zone Box. 5th uh, place, Tatsumi Hiratsuka playing Lugia Archaeops. 4th place, Nikoline Pedersen playing Fusion Mew. 3rd place, Mateus uh, Lasikuix uh, playing Lost Zone Box. That's a Kyogre variant. 2nd place, Leon Kesselring playing Mew Genesect. And first place, Maximilian Tubert, I believe getting Lugia's first major win this format, I think. I could be wrong about it. I don't think Lugia's won anything before this. Uh, no, it's it's definitely been a while. I, I think this is the first win of this format. I can't think of anything else. Yeah, I can't either, but... Uh, yeah, losing all that consistency between rotation and stuff uh, definitely kind of hurt Lugia a lot, but definitely a really strong deck. Um, I know I've said it a few times here on the podcast, but it is quite literally a pile, but it gets away with being a pile because it's just so powerful when it actually gets into the game that like you kind of have to respect it. Yeah, it's a... Uh... Lugia, you still definitely have to respect Lugia. I mean, they have a harder time, you know, getting the job done these days, but uh, it's not impossible, and I wouldn't even go as far as to say inconsistent. It's just, uh, you really gotta know how to play Lugia now. You gotta know what moves to make to maximize your consistency to get what you need. So it is a lot harder, and it definitely is just less consistent all around, but... It's still something that you can't sleep on if you play against. Lugia will eat you up if you're not careful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and to be honest, it's kind of interesting, right? Because somehow the Lugia lists got pretty standardized pretty early on. Yeah. Uh, we saw Reagan Retzlov's list, uh, I believe, get like fourth place or something like that. Like top four, I think, at Portland. And uh, ever since then, most Lugia lists have basically been a carbon copy of that deck. Uh, that doesn't—that's not—that's uh, not the case for Maximilian here. But uh, that aside, there's not really anything too out of the ordinary uh, in his deck, nor really in uh, any of the other decks in top eight. The uh, only thing I'll really say is uh, opting for the Thornton instead of the Penny uh, in Maximilian's Lugia deck. Um, I actually tested a bit of Thornton before rotation in Lugia, and I'm a big fan. I mean, Thornton is kind of broken in Lugia. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> Just being able to turn like a Luminian V into a into a Tyranitar or into a single strike Urshifu that can evolve on the same turn. Uh, yeah. It's pretty good. It's pretty scary. Yeah. It is pretty scary. I have... Uh... I played that for a little bit on live, you know, just to try it out, and it, it's pretty funny. It Just, uh, you know, drop it a Thornton, and suddenly your opponent who thinks that uh, they kind of had you at the pack is dealing with a huge problem. 
Yeah, because we do still see a few decks like running like retreat locking type stuff, like the Mawile or uh, Umbreon's Umbreon V's Mean Look attack, which prevents retreating stuff. Right? There's it, it's not seeing as much play as it did at EUIC, but like it's still kind of lingering around the format for a little bit. So having Penny or Thornton to get out of that is pretty strong. I'm a bigger fan of Thornton personally because. Uh, you know, if your Urshifu ends up getting knocked out, say like against Duraludon, before you have a chance to evolve it into the VMAX, Thornton kind of gives you a second chance at using it. Whereas, you know, if it gets one shot by a Duraludon, Penny's not really going to be able to help you out there because it's in the discard pile. So, uh, you know, it's a tomato-tomato thing. Penny does have its uses, of course, being able to remove damage. Say if uh, your Rapid Strike, or sorry, your Single Strike Urshifu V got hit before it could evolve, you could just pick it up with Penny, bench it, and then try to evolve it again in a following turn. So there there are merits to both cards. It's a tomato-tomato type deal. But uh, I am a big fan of the Thornton for sure. But with that being said, let's go ahead and move on to our next tournament, the Regional in Santiago. So we don't have all of the deck lists for this, uh, but we do have the top eight archetypes. Uh, eighth place, we got David Fernandez playing Lost Zone Giratina. Shoutouts to you, David. Uh, seventh place, Sergio Plaza playing Gardevoir. Sixth place, Juan Andre Meja uh, playing Lost Zone Box. Uh, forgot to check to see what specific one this is. This is looking like a, Ky a Kyogre build. It's been pretty popular lately. Fifth place, Marco Cifuentes Meta uh, playing Gardevoir. Fourth place, uh, Vincent uh, Salinas playing Arceus Duraludon Umbreon. Third place, Fabrizio Inga Silva. Uh, Silva, having trouble with these names. I apologize, everyone. Uh, playing Lost Zone Box. Uh, this is a turbo build. Uh, second place, Bernardo Sanchez playing Arceus Garatina. And first place, I was not expecting this to ever happen at all. First place, Pedro Pertusi playing Gardevoir Mewtwo. Yeah, that is a little crazy. Yeah, not the variant of Gardevoir that I expected to ever... To, to ever win a, a regional, much less top cut a regional. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I do like that variant, but uh, it's always been more of the for fun variant to me. It's uh, I never actually would consider playing it seriously, honestly, before seeing this. Yeah, the uh, you know the general consensus of the Guardian U2V Union deck, and and this is like when I was testing Guardian before the cards came out. This is the first way I played Guardi, because Mewtwo VU is just such an absurdly powerful <laughs> card. Um, but typically, you know, the general consensus is, is that, like, well, it's a little bit slower, because you got to get the Mewtwo V Union pieces into the discard, and, you know, if some of them are prized, then it becomes even slower. So you kind of have to play things like Clef Key to kind of slow down your opponent to, uh, you know, try to give you that extra time. Uh, to get there and stuff like that. And you just kind of go through and sweep the game with Mewtwo after the fact. Um, I, I find it interesting that Pedro said, no, 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 I don't need to do any of that. I am just going to build it like it's a regular Guardi list. Forget the clef keys. I'm just going to go fast and I'm going to get them in the discard and we're just going to go. And it seemed to have worked out for him. Um, so pretty interesting stuff there. I also do appreciate the Drapian. Uh, I, I imagine Mew can sometimes be difficult to deal with. So, especially since, like, you're less reliant on, like, the Zacian V, uh, 
you know, normal Guardiolists are playing two Zacian, and Zacian's a pretty strong attacker in the Mu V Max, but since you're kind of having to take that deck space back to fit in the V Union, I think uh, subbing in for a Drapian just to give you a little extra coverage is pretty smart. Yeah, definitely. Uh, this list actually looks pretty cool. I kind of want to build this and try it out. Yeah, I nearly, like after seeing this, I nearly built it to take to a League Cup. Mm -hmm. But then I decided I wanted to stay home and practice NAIC instead, so I didn't go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I was definitely eyeing this list to play. Just, you know, guardy things with Mewtwo V Union. Again, this is it's just an absurdly broken card. I mean, it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, yeah, if you're a Mewtwo V Union fan, maybe check it out. Wrapping things up, we got two more tournaments to talk about. We've got the Regionals in Fresno, California. Again, we don't have the top 16 for this, but we do have most of the top eight. Uh, top eight, we have Le, uh, Le Bouy playing Mew Genesect. Uh, seventh place, Sawyer Melbin with the Arceus Aerodactyl. Sixth place, Chris Kemp, Lugia Archaeops. Fifth place, David Tomhoff Alexi playing Darkrai V-Star. That's right, Darkrai made it to top cut, baby. <laughs> He played like five or six Mew in day two. It was hilarious. Anyway, <laughs> fourth place, Calvin Connor, rocking Gardevoir. Third place, Andrew Hedrick, playing Mew Genesect. It's a little weird to see him play Mew, but I mean, all right, go off, I guess. Yeah. Second place, Caleb Gedimer, uh, which I believe was playing a Turbo variant of Lost Box. Yep, Turbo this time, no Kyogre. And first place, getting his first regional win in the Masters division, Reagan Retzlov, taking it all home with Lugia Archaeops, finally getting the big win. Now, we've seen Reagan Retzlov get top cut at, like, countless regionals, man. I mean, this, this guy has been on a tear all season. Mm -hmm. Like, if he goes to an event, chances are he's going to make top cut. I mean, he is performing insanely well, and... If I remember correctly, I think this is his first year in Masters, too, by the way. <laughs> uh, which is kind of sick, so... Yeah. Nice to see him, you know, after several top cut appearances, finally finally get the win. So, shout-outs to, shout to Reagan. I, I'm not a Lugia fan. I quite hate this deck a lot, but I got I got to show some respect. Definitely. And, uh, yeah, like I was mentioning before, uh, Reagan... Pretty much just popularized modern day Lugia as it is at uh, Portland. And uh, let me check to see here. Yes, this is the exact same <laughs> list that uh, that he got. Oh, he got second place at Portland. So, yeah, he got second place at Portland with this exact 60. Uh, it said, you know, it's good. I don't need to change a thing. Has been playing it. Uh, second at Portland. Third at Hartford. Uh, let's see here. And yeah, first at Fresno with this exact same 60. So uh, pretty cool. I mean, hey, man, when you make a perfect deck and you don't have to change it for the rest of the format, I mean, that's got to feel good, right? Definitely. It, uh, I'm sure. Uh, I mean, sometimes you just know you got it and <laughs> you just need to keep going. It's actually pretty impressive, honestly. Like, continuous high placement. Yeah, especially, like, crafting that 60 at, like... Or, like, starting it at Portland, right? Because, like, that yeah. was, like, the second event 
of the format, right? That was early on in the format. And the fact that that was just like the perfect 100% blueprint for Lugia that mm-hmm. several, several, several people net deck, by the way. I mean, the the results for this exact 60, there are several people that have, that have made day two with this exact 60. I mean, wow. Pretty insane. Yeah, it is. Uh, outside of that, though, not too much. Uh, again, that's particularly different. Uh, again, a lot of the lists are about what you would expect at this point. Um, we got to talk about Darkrai, though. <laughs> Darkrai made top cut. I never thought I would ever say that. I got to be honest. I thought this card was just going to cruise on by with nothing more than a moderately deep day two run. And that was it. I didn't think we were actually going to have to talk about it in a top cut. <laughs> Definitely. I, I I never thought we were going to talk about it at the top cut either. Just as a quick refresher, Darkrai V-Star is a 270 HP V-Star Pokemon, has the attack Dark Pulse, does 30 damage, plus an additional 30 damage for each Darkness Energy attached to all of your Pokemon. So, idea is to just turbo through your deck, draw on a bunch of cards, you got Dark Patches to accelerate energy from the discard pile, which synergizes with Darkrai V-Star's V-Star Power Star Abyss, which allows you to get two items from your discard pile back to your hand, so you can reuse those Dark Patches. You got Galarian Moltres, uh, or Galarian Moltres V, which accelerates uh, Darkness Energy from the discard through its ability. Galarian Moltres as a one-prizer, which accelerates Darkness Energy from your hand. And of course, Dark is a great type to be right now. I mean, Mew is seeing a lot of play. It's weak to Dark. Gardevoir is pretty strong. And being a Dark-type Pokemon allows you to hit the EX for weakness, which can potentially put them in a bad spot. Um, So, just off of its typing, Darkrai's in a pretty good spot, so I guess I shouldn't be that surprised. But, uh, yeah, David, David's showing up, telling people how it's done with Darkrai V-Star. Definitely impressive. Yeah, you gotta love it. Well, let's move on to our last... Uh, event is going to be the special event in Johannesburg. This is actually an event that took place in South Africa, which is kind of cool. Uh, once again, don't have anything past the top 16, and we really don't have any deck lists for this either. Uh, you know, we've got the first and third place lists, which you know, I guess we could take a quick look at, but I have a feeling it's not going to be too much to talk about. Uh, eighth place, we have Akil Sedian uh, playing Lost Zone Box. Uh, seventh place, Mikhailo uh, Busey playing Mew Genesect. Uh, Kamalison Pile playing Mew Genesect in 6th place. Ethan Lee playing Arceus Garatina in 5th. 4th place, Clinton Matos uh, playing Arceus Duraldon Umbreon. 3rd place, Nico Alibus playing Gardevoir. 2nd place, Zahir Abdul Hamid playing Lost Zone Box. And in 1st place, taking it all home, Paolo Mimoso with Mew Genesect. So like I said, we only have two deck lists to reference here. Uh, and I gotta be honest, it's, uh, you know... Standard Mew Genesect and standard Gardevoir. Not really too anything out of the ordinary here. Yeah, looks uh, pretty standard for the format. Yeah, now this is officially, as far as I'm aware, this is officially the last event for the Battle Styles and Scarlet and Violet format. So, uh, you know, good way to top it off. Uh, we've got some Mew, some Lost Box, some Arceus, Gardevoir, uh kind of like a 2-2-2 two, two, two across the board almost. Mm-hmm. 
So shout outs to all the players at the special event in Johannesburg. Uh, again, I don't, I'm not familiar if South Africa has ever had an event like this, so it's kind of cool. Yeah, it is. But with that being said, that is going to do it for our news roundup on this episode. Let us know what you thought of all the news stories. Hit us up on Twitter at DamageCounter, DamageCounterPodcast at gmail.com if you prefer email. And of course, you can always keep the conversation going with us in our community Discord as well. Link is in the episode description. We're always in there talking about shiny cardboard and fun stuff like that. And again, let us know. Do you think Fairy-type Pokemon are coming back? I think not. Check the poll on Spotify or come talk about it in our community Discord. We'd love to hear what you have to say. But speaking of Fairy-type Pokemon, Josh, we're going back to X and Y for the 60-card showcase Last time we looked at X and Y, we talked about my Mega Audino deck. And uh, we did a little bit of a tabletop video on our YouTube channel. Check it out, by the way, Damage Counter Podcast on YouTube.com. We did a bit of a tabletop showdown. My Mega Audino deck versus your Mega Gardevoir Dragon Box deck. Uh, We talked about Mega Audino here on the show in our 60-card showcase segment, but we haven't had a chance to talk about your list, so why don't we go ahead and do that? Yeah, let's go. All right, so the other half of our X and Y video, bringing it to you here in our 60-card showcase. That's right, Mega Gardevoir Dragon Box. Before we get started, of course, as always, there is a link to a Google Drive in the episode description. In that drive, you will see a picture of every single deck list we have ever covered here on the show, all the way back from episode one, including the one we're talking about here on episode 35. So if you want to follow along, if you want to see the exact 60 for yourself, definitely check out the Google Drive. Uh, Now, Josh, normally I like to get a chance to play every deck that we try to cover here on the 60-card showcase uh, mm-hmm. But I didn't exactly get a chance to pilot this one for myself, so I'm going to be leaning on you for this discussion. So walk us through here. What's going on in the Mega Gardevoir Dragon Box? Well, Mega Gardevoir Dragon Box is uh, kind of interesting in uh, in and of itself, considering you're using fairies and dragons, uh, two sworn enemies to the end of time. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting theme, for sure. <laughs> it is. But, uh... I mean, you're using the kind of like how we talked about uh, the in our card of the day. You're wanting to start off with the Xerneas here, or you're leaning on Xerneas to get a, your energy acceleration and stuff early on to just really get out that energy, and <clears throat> you kind of lean into uh, the Gardevoir or the Dragons more, depending on whatever matchup is more like relevant. Sometimes it's easier just to like lean into your Mega Gardevoirs. Sometimes you want to lean into like your Salamancy X or your Atina. So it really just depends because they're all good options and it's really easy to build them all. You know, you're building energy. You're using uh, your Mega Gardevoirs, which you do run two different Mega Gardevoirs in this list. Uh, I have two of uh, the Mega Gardevoir EX that runs uh, Despair Ray. Which sets that from Phelan? Uh, that is Steam Siege, I believe. Okay, yeah. Which, this is uh, kind of the one you want to lean into more often. 
So using Despair Ray, you can discard as many of your bench Pokemon as you like. This attack does 10 more damage for each Pokemon bench Pokemon you discard this way. So I know that doesn't sound like a lot. You got to remember this is X and Y. So yeah, base 110 on its own is pretty pretty all right to be honest. Yeah, it's a uh, perfectly like. It was a perfectly viable number. Being able to increase that to whatever number you needed was uh, super, like, just super good. And it was usually never a big deal because, you know, you like leaning on your Xerneas' early game. So you can break, you can discard those for extra damage. Or just if you have any damage Pokemon on your bench, you can discard them depending on what you need to do. You do have ways of getting Pokemon and whatnot back in this deck. I mean, you have a Super Rod. Uh, I guess it's the only way, technically, but it's hey, enough. One, one's all you need. Yeah. Uh, it's enough to get your resources back, so you can afford to go in on the damage and get a big Despair Ray off, or just do, you know, normal Despair Rays. 110 was a perfectly respectable number to be hitting. Yeah, Despair Ray is such an interesting attack, right? Because, like, discarding your own bench Pokemon, you would think, is, like, kind of like, why would I do that? But you kind of, you know, like you said... You start with the Xerneas' early in the game, but after the energy is ramped, you only play the one break, right? So you're not going to need multiple Xerneas in play. So you can get rid of the Xerneas. You have a bunch of bench sitter support Pokemon like Shaman EX, Hoopa EX. You know, those are two prize liabilities most of the yeah. time. They help you get set up, but they end up just kind of getting stuck on the field. They're easy uh, Lysander targets to just get gusted up and KO'd, right? So... Despair Ray gets rid of that. If you have any damage Pokemon, like you said, it's damage removal. And it does really good numbers. Like, it, Despair Ray is a really strong attack. Yeah, it's, uh... It's really good. It's, uh... It's really good. It's really easy to get online. It's only two energy, and it's one fairy, one colorless. So, you can get Mega Gardevoir out and just go to town. Yeah, so that's one of the... That's the Gardevoir that you'll lean into... Slightly more often, uh, I'm going to be honest, the other Mega Gardevoir I run, uh, which runs Brilliant Arrow, uh, I don't know what set that one's from either. That's uh, Primal Clash. Gotcha. So I, I actually prefer to lead into the Primal Clash Gardevoir EX. I really like Brilliant Arrow. So Brilliant Arrow is just, this attack does 30 damage times the amount of fairy energy attached to all your Pokemon. Now you run 10 fairy energy in this deck. And it's very easy to accelerate it. <laughs> and uh, it's really easy to swing for big numbers with uh, Brilliant Arrow. Or even just respectable numbers. And I've, I usually like the front line with Brilliant Arrow Mega Gardevoir. It's the first one I get online. And then lean into my Despair Rays later on in the game when there's been some damage traded around. And it's even easier to hit the numbers that I need. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of like a nice one-two punch kind of combo, right? Because Brilliant Arrow just like synergizes with a, like a lot with the deck, right? Because like the Geomancy gets energy into play early in the game off of the Xerneas. You run four Max Elixirs, uh, which we talked about when we when we covered Picaram and expanded. But real quick, Max Elixir, you look at the top six cards of your deck and attach a basic energy you find there to a uh, to a basic Pokemon on your bench. So that's a quick way to get Fairy type energy into play. Uh, and yeah, so you just deal like these big numbers 
And if you happen to yeah. miss a KO on anything, then like, yeah, despair, like you don't have to reach as far with despair raid to get the KO, which is, which is a pretty good shout. Yeah. And I mean, it's crazy. Uh, if this deck goes great, like fully off, I think it was in the match that we didn't record for the video that I had like all of my max elixirs go off in one turn, basically. And no, I think, I think that was game two in the video. Was it game two? I think so. Maybe Cause I got, I, have to go I back got and cooked. Uh, yeah. I, uh, obviously that's like an extreme scenario with the deck where I got really lucky, but man, you could you can cook with hey, card four. Hey bro, when it hits, it hits bro. <laughs> it do be hitting. It's and, great. And another, another interesting interaction in this deck is the double dragon energy so we haven't really got to the dragons yet but you know when this is attached to a dragon type pokemon it provides two rainbow energy essentially and that counts as extra damage for brilliant arrow like that counts as yeah two fairy energy if you're using brilliant arrow which is just absurd it's absurd it's cool uh, like Valen said, I hadn't really gotten into it yet, but that's how you kind of get away with running the dragons in this deck and how it like works. It's it's a really cool interaction. It's one of my favorite parts. Uh, like Giratina EX, I'll go more into him into a minute because I want to cover the base card of Wars, but uh, he's like kind of the other main part of this deck. <laughs> yeah, Giratina's just so good. Yeah, yeah. So the first uh, Gardevoir that I kind of that I run uh, two of is i don't know what set this is from either i'm really bad with set names uh, uh is that's... the gun ex with link blast yeah that's the steam siege one yeah so this one is uh kind of the better gardevoir to uh get out early game so link blast it does 30 plus damage if this pokemon and your opponent's active pokemon have the same amount of energy energy attached to them this attack does 70 more damage that's for two energy a fairy and a colorless and you have luminous blade for two fairies and a colorless it does 120 and you can discard an energy so this one's just kind of the better offensive gardevoir if uh yeah i think that's the best way to put it it's just uh it's got it's got better this... numbers better damage yeah, you can get this one out and online pretty fast, and it's respectable if you aren't able to get into your Mega Gardevoir for whatever reason, and you just need to attack. So, you do run a one-of of a Gardevoir EX that runs Life Leap, and that's for one fairy, one fairy energy, 20 damage. Heal from this Pokemon the same amount of damage you did to your opponent's active Pokemon. So you got a little sustain there. And for three energy, you have a uh, shining wind, 100 damage. During your opponent's next turn, this Pokemon has no weakness. That's pretty meh. It's okay. It's a. Uh... You really just run this one to kind of stall with Life Leap, you know. <laughs> yeah, nice little poke and heal. Um, yeah, it it is nice to have that one energy attack, whereas like the other EX, like you need to have two for Link Blast, so. Yeah. Having like a one energy poke is pretty nice. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I like the split coverage on that. Yeah. So these are EXs, and uh, I guess just in case you weren't aware, back in X and Y, EXs uh, were just basic drops for the most part. So both, all three of these Gardevoirs are just drop EXs, and you're good to go. So they accelerate really fast. They got pretty low energy all around. These are all like. A really good part about this deck is, for the most part, it's 
pretty hard not to start well. Like, even if you get stuck with a Gardevoir in your active, say you missed a Xerneas or something, you can still kind of get something going on while you're trying to get yourself online. Yeah, I mean, you have, like, a lot of different avenues of approach, right? Like, you can look at your starting hand. Ideally, you'd want to start with Xerneas, right? Because of the Geomancy yeah. attack, flooding the board with energy. It's very strong. But, like, yeah. you know, if you started and Giratina EX was your only basic, you're like, okay, well, that's fine because I can attach a, you know, a double dragon to it. And then, you know, we can just kind of go from there. You know, I can hide behind this or... You know, I can, I can poke with the EXs until I find my spirit link and just start swinging with the Megas out the gate, you know, stuff like that. Like, you know, as long, and I mean, I, I say as long as you have the hand to facilitate it, trust me, in X and Y, you will. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Definitely. starting any of these Pokemon is just honestly just going to be good for you. Pretty good. And uh, since we've already brought him up a couple times, I'm going to go ahead and get into Giratina EX. Uh, the other highlight of this deck, and honestly one of the reasons I made this deck, was uh, because Giratina is one of my like all-time favorite legendaries. So the fact that there's a deck where I can play Giratina and Mega Gardevoir, and Salamence is just in here chilling, like... <laughs> Heaven. I know. This is... <laughs> this probably is, like, one of, if not my, like, all-time favorite decks that I've, like, found so far. I, I really love this deck. It is pretty sick. Yeah. But, anyway, so we got Giratina EX here. So this, uh, Giratina was kind of a monster back in the day, if you weren't aware. Oh my god, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> it, with its ability, Renegade Pulse, prevent all effects of attacks, including damage done to this Pokemon by your opponent's Mega Evolution Pokemon. Now, I'm sure if you've been playing through Sword and Shield, you know just anything that can stop whatever the current like big bad type of Pokemon is from being able to attack is really good. If you can just say, nah, you can't do damage. You know, D-Max, you can't attack. It, it hurts. It really hurts. It's, <laughs> yeah. Because a lot of decks run, uh, pretty much, even back in the day here, run a lot of EX Pokemon. So, just being able to put out Renegade Pulse is such a good wall. Like you said, if you start Giratina, that's still not bad, because you're just starting with a crazy wall. Yeah, one and... that is going to be difficult for your opponent to get through. Like, because it kind of like... You know, like you said, like Mega Evolutions are like really good in X and Y, and it kind of like forces your opponent to be like, okay... Well, do I try to attack with a one prizer, or do I put off the mega evolution to try to hit this guy a little bit, or you know, do I have to dig for my hex maniac? Like, like how do I how do I deal with this guy? Yeah, definitely. And uh, that's not even getting into its attack, Chaos Wheel, which while costing four energy, a Grass Psychic, and two Colorless. I want you to remember Phelan talked about earlier, Double Dragon energy which is basically a rainbow energy when it's attached to a dragon, that makes not only accelerating Giratina and basically a two-attach or a three-attach, which even the three-attach, if you just go double dragon, two fairy, is not, like, bad to get off at all. Not at all. Especially when you got Geomancy accelerating, because uh, Geomancy does uh, just say bench Pokemon... It's not just fairy Pokemon. You can just attach the fairy energy to anything on your bench. So getting Giratina online is insanely easy. And that gives you access to Chaos Wheel, which 100 damage, 
respectable number back then, like we said. Uh, your opponent can't attach any Pokemon tool, special energy, or stadium cards from his or her hand during his or her next turn. That basically so shuts down, <laughs> like, 85% of your opponent's options on their turn, no matter what it is. <laughs> so, not only can they not attack you with their Mega Pokemon... If that Mega Pokemon is in the active, you've basically said, hey, you can't attach any tools or anything like that to try to get this out of here. Or if you're running mainly Special Energy, which Special Energy was pretty popular back then too, yep. uh, you, you just can't attach this turn. Or counter my stadium. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, this, was, uh, th this card is absurdly just one of the most disruptive cards I think ever printed. Uh, because... Yeah, like you said, like you can't attach tool cards. Floatstone was in this format, and that was kind of the primary way a lot of decks moved cards in and out of the active. So, you know, not being able to attach the Floatstone to retreat could be problematic. Again, Special Energy was really popular. Double Dragon Energy was just broken. Uh, and a lot of decks, uh, especially, you know, X and Y's Big Bad Night March, were Special Energy exclusive. So you pop off a Chaos Wheel... And the Night Marsh players are just sitting there like, uh, pass? <laughs> like, trying to draw into their Pokemon Ranger or something like, or, no, not even Pokemon Ranger, that doesn't work. So yeah, uh, Special Energy Reliant decks just fold to this. And then, God forbid, you put a Parallel City in play and throw out a Chaos <laughs> Wheel. <laughs> I mean, good lord, man. Yeah. I know, it's a, Giratina was very crazy back in the day. It's a very good card. Uh... The other dragon that uh, I run in this deck is Salamancy X, and Salamancy X is just a, a really good attacker, basically. You know, it's really easy to get online for the same reasons Giratina is, and you get uh, access to, like, Beastly Fang, so for a fire and two colorless, this attack does 50 more damage for each of your opponent's Pokemon EX with a base of 10. So that's pretty respectable in of itself, because like we said, there was a lot of Megas, a lot of EX Pokemon running around. So you could get really big numbers off of this attack. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, like, just having two EX Pokemon in play, and that's already 160 damage, which is pff, so good for this format. That's kind of crazy. And, like, yeah. yeah, I mean, if you look at, like, every deck was playing Shaman, every deck was playing Hoopa, and nearly every deck was centered around some kind of EX, so... It, it's not hard for Salamence to be hitting big numbers. I think we even, like, show off Salamence getting, like, just these absurd KOs in our tabletop gameplay, too. Just because, I, like, I my deck so. was, like, nothing but EXs, and mm -hmm. I'm like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's other attack, Dragon Strike for a Fire, Water, and two Colorless. It does 130 damage, and you can't use Dragon Strike during your next turn. Not the best. I mean, it's a respectable cleanup attack if you just need like a big number really fast say beastly fang isn't going to get you there but dragon strike will and salamance is in the active it's a perfectly like respectable option just to go attach dragon strike and then next turn uh do whatever you need to do yeah i mean so. pretty good because like you know there are a few one prize decks you're not always going to be hitting those massive numbers with beastly fang right um but, you know, you can throw out a Dragon Strike. Again, that's just a double Dragon Energy and then, like, two Fairies. Or you could double up on the double Dragon Energies to get there. And the cool thing about it is, is that, you know, 
this Pokemon can't use uh, Dragon Strike during your next turn. Though that's fine because you can still Beastly Fang. You can still Beastly Fang, but you could also just or retreat. Retreat because we have yeah. Fairy Garden, which gives every Pokemon with a Fairy Energy attached free retreat. Yeah, it's uh, that's definitely. I was gonna bring that up. That's one of the highlights of this deck, and why you see that I don't have any Float Stones in this deck. I I just don't need them. Everything in this deck's gonna have a Fairy Energy on it. I'm running three Fairy Gardens. I'm most likely always going to be winning the stadium war, so... Yeah, that's more stadiums really... than, than most decks run. So this is yeah. that's going to help you keep your free retreat, which is nice. You got the one switches back up, too, which I like. Yeah, I was going to say, I do have the emergency switch. Uh, I would say I'm, I'm never a big fan of not having any switching options in your deck. Because, boy, <laughs> have we all been in that match where you just are going in your head boy if i could just get my active pokemon out i would win the game right now (laughs) (laughs) so i i I always like to make sure there is one solid backup but uh yeah that is one of the highlights of this deck and part of why it's so crazy is just you are pivoting constantly doing whatever you need to do you know uh they're setting up your Gardevoirs in the back line while Giratina's frontlining. And then guess what? I don't need Giratina this turn. Gardevoir, Brilliant Arrow for some insane number. Or, oh, look, my opponent has uh, four EX Pokemon on their bench. Salamant, you know, go. <laughs> it's it's very versatile, and I love that about this deck. Yeah, classic a classic Pokemon toolbox. Absolutely yeah. love decks like this. And, you know, another neat feature that I really like about this that just kind of comes with, like, the multiple types is that, like, you've got some pretty good, like, defensive and offensive type coverages, right? Because, like, you know, the Fairy-type Pokemon are all weak to Metal, and there are some pretty good Metal Pokemon in uh, X and Y. So if you come into one of those matchups, it's just like, all right, you're chilling, you know? You could attack with the Xerneas and the Xerneas break. Their one-prizers are probably going to get knocked out anyway, but, like... You know, outside of that, you could just spend the rest of the game attacking with your dragons. And then, you know, if you're playing it up against a fairy-type deck, then I'm like, well, I don't need to use the dragons. They're weak to fairy. I'd rather not lose two easy prize cards that way. Let me just lean heavier into the fairies, right? And even further, on top of that, you have the the Mega Gardevoir EX from Steam Siege as a multi-type. It's a fairy and a psychic type. Uh, so you can hit for psychic weakness. So yeah, I, I like that. That's that's probably my favorite thing about the deck is that like defensively and offensively, like you have some really good type coverage here. Uh, Dragon doesn't hit anything for weakness, but like th- these guys are doing some good numbers or good disruption anyway, so like it doesn't matter. And then yeah, you hit psychic weakness, you hit fairy weakness, and then you have again, you just have those different avenues of approach depending on the matchup, right? Like you just be like, all right. Hey, I'm not going to use my Fairy-type EXs, because that's a lot of metal Pokemon over there. Let's just lean on Giratina, Salamence, and Xerneas Break, and then we'll just go for it. So, that, yeah, yeah, that's I, one of my favorite things. I definitely, I I do love the versatility of this deck. Usually, like, my go-to playstyle, if uh, I don't have, if I'm not being forced to play in another direction, is, you know, obviously, I want to start with Xerneas, I like to get Giratina pretty much immediately, so I use Xerneas, get Giratina online. Uh, depending on how it's going, either just keep letting Xerneas do its thing, or get Giratina in the active. Start building up one of each of my Gardevoirs, and by the time I get whatever Megas that I need to get a hold of the Megas, I have 
two Gardevoirs to pivot into whatever option that I need, and I'm just building Fairy Energy. So I can just kind of lead with Giratina, smack down, and then by mid-game just switch over to the Gardevoirs, start brilliant arrowing things, and depending on what numbers I need, I'll have my Hoopa EX and probably at least one Shaman on the bench. And, you know, those are discard fodder for uh, Despair Ray to clean up if I need to hit some specific numbers or just need to reach some damage potential. So you kind of just start, you know, and if you start with Giratina, I think, and get that out immediately, that usually puts you into a position that you can build whatever you need to build. If I'm being forced to play more into the dragons, per se, I'll grab Salamance and start building Salamance immediately. And once you get Gardevoir online and you clear some space and get that Hoopa or Shaman's gone, you just put Salamance on the bilch, and after your Giratina and your Gardevoirs are built, and you're swinging, you're just building Salamance in the background. <laughs> yeah, just having, like, this, this just layers and layers of threats to deal with. It's like, okay, uh, I've got a Mega Gardevoir that is just nuking the board because I've got a ton of Fairy Energy in play. I've got the Giratina back here that can disrupt you at any moment I need it to as well as block Mega Evolution damage and pretty much just win the game that way. I've got Salamence that can just deal a butt-ton of damage. I'm getting energy into play, like, boom, 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 boom. How do you deal with this board state? And a lot of times, opponents are going to be sitting there like, uh, uh, <laughs> like, trying to figure out what to do. Because eventually it gets to a point where it's just like, the board is too established, and there's just, like, not really anything you can do about it. Yeah, it's, uh, the Mega Gardevoirs are actually fairly hard to take KOs on, because, I mean, 210 HP is decently beefy for back then. Yeah. So, it's pretty easy to be rotating them around and just trading what you're doing, and just taking KOs while not really giving back anything in return. And like you said, if I ever need to slow down or stall, you just, Giratina comes back out in the active, and... If you don't have the basic Pokemon on your bench to stop it, because you're playing through your game too, so by that point you're trying to evolve stuff to deal with the Gardevoirs, guess what? I just brought Giratina back out, and now you're just sitting at a wall. So, it is a really good deck. It's very versatile. Uh, I guess just to quickly touch on Shaman and Hoopa, they're both just really good support Pokemon. Uh, Shaman, I think a lot of people know if you were playing back then. It was in pretty much everything. Setup's a classic. It's your... Uh, Crobat from back in the day. When you play this Pokemon from your hand onto the, your bench, you draw cards until you have six cards in your hand. So, obviously, very good Pokemon. Uh, draw power without having to give up a supporter is always super powerful. And its attack, Sky Return, for two colorless energy. So you can use it in this deck for only 30... It only does 30 damage, but you can return this Pokemon and the cards attached to it into your hand. So losing nothing... If you just need to stall a turn or trade or something, you can send out Shaman, do a little chip damage, and get a hand reset back into your hand. So, I mean, just all around a really good card. Yeah, one of the strongest things you can do is uh, clean up a missed KO with Sky Return. Get all that back into your hand, and then be able to use the setup ability again the next turn. Uh, really strong stuff. And... Setup's not limited to once per turn, by the way. You, we play two Shaman in this deck, you can play them on the same turn. X and Y goes crazy with the card draw, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, so it's really good. You have it there for the resets, 
But also, it's just, uh, it's good, it's really good bench fodder if you need to get a Despair Ray off, like we talked about earlier. And you do have, like, Super Rod. If, say, you're mid-late game, you Despair Raid both your Shaman EXs, EXs, you can still Super Rod them back and use them again if you really need them. Yeah, Hoopa EX is another support Pokemon that we mentioned for the deck as well. Uh, mostly here for its scoundrel ring. Actually, only here for its scoundrel ring here. ability. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when you play this Pokemon from your hand onto your bench, you may search your deck for up to three Pokemon EX, except for Hoopa EX, reveal them, and put them in your hand, shuffle your deck afterwards. So, any EX you need, Hoopa goes and gets it. You need to, you know, you get them in the early game and you need to set up, boom, there's some Gardevoirs. Uh, you need to draw a few extra cards, boom, there's some Shamans. Got, got your EXs set up, you're just looking for those evolutions, boom. Just found the three mega card of war. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, this card is just ridiculous. I don't know what they were thinking <laughs> when they printed this, bro. Yeah, it's it's just a very good support Pokemon. I remember uh, reading that when that card like got revealed. Like, I was still playing in high school at the time when that card got revealed and came out. And I read that card, my jaw hit the floor. I was like, "What? <laughs> what do you mean? I just searched my deck for th and it's a promo." <laughs> Oh my yeah. god. It's, it's very powerful. Early game, like, early game, you almost always. If you can start Xerneas, drop an Ultra Ball, and grab your Hoopa, you're good to go. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're set. You're you're absolutely set. You are now, yeah, you are now just, your board's completely set. It's so good. Uh, I won't go into too much detail here with the trainers. They're all pretty basic, I think. We already talked about Max Elixir. So, I mean, you got your Sycamore for your draws. Lysander is just back-in-the-day boss. Uh, I think we've gushed about it enough over these days for people to know that ends good. <laughs> Don't tempt me. I'll do it some more. Uh, I mean, it's great. Uh, I want to say the highlight of this era, too, is VS Seeker. That's one of the highlights. Such Every time VS Seeker's in the game, it's so broken. VS Seeker basically lets you just put a supporter from your discard back into your hand. So, you might look at this and think I run low numbers of these supporters. I have three Sycamore, two Lysandre, two in, and one Hex Maniac. Uh, it really doesn't matter because I actually... You want them in your discard, for the most part. Like, if you can get your supporters in the discard, you're set. Because that just means when you get your VS Seeker, you have on tap whatever supporter you need. <laughs> Yeah, that's something that you'll see me and Josh do a lot in the, in that tabletop video that we did uh, showcasing our X and Y decks. Just very early on, just Ultra Ball away two supporters, save them for later. And the only time you don't want to do that in X and Y format is if you're going up against Item Lock, which is admittedly extremely powerful in X and Y because the items are powerful, so... Um, but yeah, if you're not playing against item lock, you're just you're just dumping the supporters and then just getting them back with Versus Seeker when you need them. Generally is is the way to do it. Yeah, definitely. And uh I mean trainer mail, that just lets you dig a little deeper for a uh, trainer card and put it in your hand. Basically. That's your dig uh back in the day just to help get a little further if you need it. Spirit Link uh just makes it where if you Mega Evolve, <laughs> you don't. Your turn doesn't end. If you didn't know back in the day, Mega Evolution actually did end your turn if you didn't have the corresponding Spirit Link attack attached to that Pokemon. Yeah, uh, pretty important piece that one. 
Yeah, but uh, it does kind of slightly suck. It always has that you have to give up your item slot for that, but it is very well worth it because I'm going to be honest, a lot of times you do not want to make a evolve and end your turn. It's kind of a big disadvantage, actually, to just make a evolve and your opponent gets to go into their turn. Because if they do get to Spirit Link and make a evolve, guess who is suddenly the one taking like the first big trade there? Yeah, X and Y is such a such a fast and such an aggressive format that like you kind of you kind of need to hit those. <laughs> yeah, but uh, besides that, I think we pretty much talked this deck apart. I know I gushed for a while there. <laughs> yeah, it was a it's a pretty thorough overview of the list. So uh, yeah, I, I think we covered it pretty good there. But now it's time to direct it over to the community. Let us know what you think. Uh, of course, you know we love to talk about retro here on the podcast, so hit us up on our Twitter at DamageCounter, DamageCounterPodcast at gmail.com if you prefer email. Hit us up, let us know, or you can also come talk to us in our community Discord. That's right, community Discord. Link to that is in the episode description. Uh, I think we talk about deck lists and stuff like that more often than anything, uh, so we'd love to keep the conversation going with y'all in our community Discord. Yeah, definitely. I always hate it because I always seem to be working when people are talking in the Discord. I never like have a chance to join in on the conversations. I always see like you in there interacting, <laughs> but I'm always at work. Hey, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, definitely though. It's a cool place to hang out, and it's a cool place if you have a 60-card showcase that you would like us to go over here on the podcast to submit it. Don't ask why I call it the 60-card showcase. That's just how I have to refer to decks while I'm doing this. <laughs> hey, we we just roll with it here. Uh, but yeah, Josh is right. We do have a submissions channel on the Discord. So if you want to submit a card for card of the day or submit a deck list for us to talk about on the 60 card showcase, uh, that is the place to do it. Uh, in fact, actually, that's why we're talking about X and Y today. We did get a request from one of our listeners to talk a little bit more about retro. And, uh, you know, this is what we had readily available. So... Here we are. So if you want to have a little bit of influence on the show, definitely check out the Discord. Definitely. Well, with that being said, that is going to do it for our 60-card showcase. But now that we're done talking a little bit about X and Y, it's time to bring ourselves back to the present day. Scarlet and Violet format is coming to a close. Paldea Evolved has just come out. And we're prepping for a brand new format, so we figured we'd take this time to look back on the, on the Battle Styles, the Scarlet and Violet format, talk about some of our expectations, things we expected, things we were surprised by, and uh, just overall how the format turned out. So let's talk about it. Alright, like I said, Josh, Scarlet and Violet format is coming to a close. Uh, Paldea Evolved did launch on June 9th, uh, so it's not quite legal for tournament play yet, but as we know, thanks to the tournament schedule we have, no more tournaments in this format the next uh, and the last few tournaments of the uh, competitive season, actually, will be mm -hmm. done in the Battle Styles to Paldea Evolved format. That includes the special event in Puerto Rico, uh, the North America International Championships, and of course the World Championships will be taking place in that format. But since this format has gone by, we're going to partake in our tradition of looking back on the format and 
kind of just talking about it, talking about how things went down, things we were expecting and things we were surprised by and stuff like that. So let me open the floor to you, my friend. Just we'll start general. What just, you know, now that we've kind of come to the end of this format, what are your general thoughts on the battle styles, the Scarlet and Violet format? How you feel about it? How you feel about the decks that were popular? Just general thoughts. Uh, I think for the most part, this has been some of the most fun that I've had playing a card game for such a long period of time where it was just mostly like them hitting the entire time that I've had in quite a while. The game has just been a blast for the most part. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's certainly much brighter than it was during the Silver Tempest format, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, we've had our rough patches here and there. Uh, <laughs> talk about Lost Zone and whatnot. Some drags, but... Uh, for the most part, I think it's been pretty fun. There's been a lot of variety, a lot of different stuff to try. I mean, that from, like, Fusion Strike, kind of starting... To, like, we were hit, like, Astral Horizon. I think I said that wrong. Uh, Astral Radiance. Yeah, Astral Radiance, I'm sorry. I was thinking about something else in my yeah. head. But, uh, I mean, Astral Radiance was really the start of just Escape going hail. Every day, I would, like, just get on Twitter and look at stuff and be like, what, what, what now? <laughs> it's like, what just took that regional? What's in this top eight? What's going on? You know, that was that was hilarious. I loved it. It was great. Yeah, beginning of the V-Star era was pretty great. Yeah. So, I mean, I've really enjoyed it. What about you? Uh, I have made it pretty publicly known that I as not exactly the biggest fan of this format. Uh, but I will be honest, it did I, I did come around on it uh towards mm -hmm. especially after Milwaukee, I was kind of like, okay, this format's a little bit more than I thought it was at first. I was you know, kind of doom and gloom about it at first, thinking like, oh, it's just the Lost Zone and Mew show. No other deck can be successful because, you know, the things we lost from rotation, stuff like that. And thankfully, I was proved wrong. Uh, we saw lots of different Arceus piles do well. Lost Zone, of course, did well. Lugia, Mew, uh, Gardevoir. And I mean, I've, I've made it very publicly known that I'm not the biggest fan of Mew and Lugia, but they do add to the variety, so... Can't hate him for that. And even though these decks didn't, like, do amazingly, you know, maybe getting a day two here and there, you know, we still had things like Inteleon and Urshifu. We had Snorlax, Stall, a couple of Palkia variants, uh, had some pretty deep day two runs, stuff like that. So the format ended up being uh, having more variety than I thought it would. So mm -hmm. I was definitely glad to be wrong on that front. But, you know, once you get into, the, like, the higher levels of play, it definitely really still was, like, the Lost Zone and Mew show. And it was just like, ugh. <laughs> so, sometimes it got, a little, it got a little grimy up at the top, like, at the top level of play. Sometimes it got a little grimy. And it, it got pretty old seeing a lot of the same Lost Box lists over and over again. Um, but overall, the format did come around for me. It was like, okay, there's... There's a lot going on here. You can play a good number of things and be pretty good. All right, you win this round, Scarlet and Violet. So I think the big thing uh, 
for this format that I think I think ends up being like the big talking point for a lot of people mm-hmm. is Gardevoir, right? Like EXs mm-hmm. are coming into the format. Uh, and generally speaking, at least in my experience, anytime a new era starts, usually like the first of the new mechanic are generally kind of not great. We saw that with Sword and Shield. Like we really didn't get like a truly amazing VMAX Pokemon until like uh, two or three sets in, you know, it was, you know, it, it took quite a while for VMAXs to really get a hold on the metagame. Uh, interesting to see that that wasn't the case this go around. Scarlet and Violet gave us Gardevoir EX, and it was a top contender almost immediately. I think a lot of people were expecting it to have a much higher meta presence than it ended up having in the long mm-hmm. run. Because we saw it get second place at EUIC at the hands of Tordreklev, right? Got a lot of hype. People were like, oh my god, this deck is actually a thing. But then after that, it just kind of silently fell to the wayside and really wouldn't rise in popularity again until Henry Brand would win Milwaukee regionals with it. And, you know, suddenly the Guardian numbers kind of go back up for the last few regionals and special events of the season. Um, did you have any predictions on, like, how Guardi would would perform early on in the format? Or were you kind of surprised to see it uh, eventually take some wins and become the big deck? I I was confused why it was so unpopular because I think I've established by now that I thought it was good the entire time. Mm-hmm. So did you now? Uh, are, are you of the opinion that it's best deck in format, or I don't know if I would say best deck in format. Okay, I I would say personal best deck in format, but I think it's definitely up there. It's a tier one contender. But I think, for the most part, where we are right now, uh, it's decently balanced up there enough where I can't point at one particular thing and say this is the absolute best like dominator in the format. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that for sure. But uh, I would definitely cons- consider it a contender. So, uh, I mean, like I said in my predictions in our last episode, I was like, yeah, it's going to win. I think it could win. Uh, that's because, I mean, I obviously, I thought it was good. I thought it's been good this entire time. I think we've seen outside of here in the U.S. that it's been more popular in Europe and Japan. So, I don't know. I think U.S. players are just slightly stubborn sometimes, and sometimes we just kind of, like, stick to certain things or go in general directions and, like, refuse to look at other options. Yeah, that does end up being the case more often than not. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm right there with you. It, it was one of those things where, like, in my early testing, I was like, oh, my God, what is my answer to Gardevoir? I have no idea. This is, like, something I've never even seen before. How do I even begin to, you know, to get around this? Like, I was pretty worried about Gardevoir in my early testing before tournaments, uh, before it went live on, you know, PTCG Live and stuff like that. Um, so part of me was a little relieved to see it take a dip in the meta share. I was like, oh, thank God. (laughs) Like, like I don't have to worry about it. I'll just wait for it to become popular and then I can tech for it. This is great. Um, Mm -hmm. and now admittedly, I was not expecting it to take that stance. I was expecting it to just come out the gate swinging, which it did again, got second place at EUIC first event in the format. And then it, 
you know, I was expecting it to just stay pretty consistent. Like it was always like I always thought it was going to be one of those decks that I always had to keep in my mind when preparing for a tournament. And that just wasn't the case. Like early on, it was like, yes, you need to have an answer for Gardevoir. But like after Portland, like it just kind of fell off and it got to a point where I was preparing for Milwaukee regionals and I was like, I don't need to tech for this i i really don't think that i do now granted my deck naturally did pretty well in the gardevoir just because of the umbreon v max but you know even when i was exploring other options like arceus giratina which in my opinion does not have a great gardevoir matchup uh you know i even then i was like i don't think i need to tech for this i don't think it's popular enough i think i'd rather just have you know, the second choice belt or second Sharon's. I don't need to get the cleansing gloves because I'm not really that confident that I'll run into Guardy, right? So it, it did kind of surprise me to see it dip in MetaShare because I, I think, like you said, I think, like, you know, uh, inter- players in the international areas, especially here in America, are just uh, kind of stubborn on some things. They see, they see, oh, Guardy has a bad loss box matchup, so it can't be good. And they're like, well... We've seen it win that. Like, that's a matchup it can win. It's tough, don't get me wrong, but, like, that's a matchup that it can win. So maybe we yeah. should try to develop that more. It It is kind of weird to me. And uh, since you brought up Giratina, not necessarily the Arc Giratina variant, but I would say, like, Lasso Giratina, like, that deck hasn't been very popular here at all either. And I consider that deck, I know you do t- too, to be insanely good. Yeah, I was actually just... going to bring the conversation there next. Uh, yeah, man. So this was interesting because, like, when Japan got this format, Kiratina was just undisputed best deck in format. I mean, you couldn't go to any tournament without seeing a ton of people playing this deck. Now, granted, even in Japan uh, and their big leagues, you know, Kiratina's results didn't exactly get to where they were saying it was, uh, you know, in the meta share. But it, it was just one of those things where it was like, you know, you've got the Lost Zone engine. You have energy-efficient attackers with Cramorant. You can go with a full one-prize game plan if you need to for as long as you need to. With Cramorants and with Sableyes, you've got Giratina that can one-shot the V-Stars that give Cramorant and Sableye trouble. I mean, it, it just seemed like the deck had everything, but it never really showed up, you know? Yeah, definitely. It's a... Uh... It just really hasn't been present anywhere. I mean, there's there's a few. There's definitely a few. But I've just been surprised at how inactive it's been. Because I really, like, if I wasn't the huge Gardevoir fanboy I am, I would be playing Lasso Garatina right now. Or at least I would have been up to this point for quite a while, you know? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like you said, we, we have seen it come out a little bit here and there. It did get top eight at a few uh, at a few regionals and special events, mostly in the Latin America uh, area, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so it, it's not like it's non-existent. And it's even had a few uh, deep day two runs uh, in, the, in the NA regions as well. Uh, just not as much. I mean, like a lot of the NA players were just like heavily disrespecting this deck. And I... I always say it, the the funniest way that I could describe this whole situation is that the best player in NA says it's one of the worst decks. Like, you just, it's bad, you shouldn't play it. 
But then the best player in Europe says it's the best deck in format. And it's just like, well, which is it? (laughs) You know, like, it's such a divisive thing. And it's always perplexed me as to why. Yeah. I do think that's uh, an important thing to consider as a player. Like, even listening to our analysis right now, to always consider these are opinions. And if you think you have something cooking, and I do want to, I do want to be specific here, like actual something legitimate cooking. Like, you shouldn't always just shoulder it because people say that's bad or that's not good right now. Because, uh, Sometimes not everybody's right, you know what I mean? I'm sure you do. As someone who played Sylveon religiously for so long, you know, you were told plenty of times, you know, that's not meta or blah blah blah, but that doesn't mean it can't perform. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I mean, listen, Azul might be saying it's one of the worst decks you could play, but... It has some top eights. It has some good day two runs. If that were true, I don't think any of that would be the case, right? It didn't yeah. get the win like I was predicting and like I was preaching that it would. Because like I said, I, I thought that Giratina was just going to run this format over. And uh, ended up being pretty wrong about that. But I stuck with it. I'm not going to lie to you, man. I stuck with it the entire format. I said, no, just you wait. It's happening. And yeah, never quite did. But... Even without that, I could not in good faith say that, like, Giratina V-Star is not, like, I wouldn't say, like, top, top of the tier, I guess, but it's it's definitely, like, a top-tier deck. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So it never really did get that finish. It probably will have its time to redeem itself in Paldea Evolved. Uh, I've done some testing against it, not with it, but against it, and I've watched a buddy of mine who's practically mastered the archetype uh, play it. And I mean, dude, this deck just goes... I-, I thought it was really good this format. I still consider it the BDIF this format. It it, it just gets even better. <laughs> the it's, next oh, yeah, it's... It's the same as, like, the... It's the same as Mew, in my opinion. It's just... As long as, you know, it's in the game, it's going to be good because it has a engine that was specifically built that works with it, like, so well. It's As long as the Lost Zone engine is good, Giratina's going to be insanely good because Giratina is already good alone. Yeah. And, I, I mean, there are other variants, but I, I'm always a big fan. I think the Lost Zone variant is the best variant. Uh, It's just... It's never going to be bad. I mean... Giratina has a built-in OTK. It, yeah, you have a delete button as your V-Star power for two energy. Uh, it's kind of hard to argue with that. <laughs> yeah, and its normal attack is really good also. It's just it's really good all around. So I think we'll definitely be seeing more of it in the future. Uh, especially at Worlds, I'm going to be honest. I think it's going to be a decently popular pick at Worlds, but that's a little further down the road. Yeah, I mean, I could absolutely see it. Like I said, Paldea Evolve gives it a lot. I mean, Super Rod is a big deal. Ayano is a big deal. Because the cool thing about Giratina, and part of why I've always liked it in comparison to Lost Zone Box, is that Giratina is a Lost Zone deck that can afford to play Hand Disruption. Like, Lost Zone Box is way too combo-oriented that, like, if you're playing Hand Disruption, you're just hurting yourself. But Giratina, it plays off the board a little bit better, so it, it doesn't, like, it can afford to do that. If you ever get like Roxanne to two with a temple or a path in play, 
by Giratina Lost Zone and get Star Requiemed in the same turn, and you're just like, what? A, that was rude, and B, what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just absurdly oppressive. It's ridiculous. It is. But, uh, <clears throat> kind of moving on here, since you brought up Star Requiem, what's your opinion on good old Arceus? Oh, I love me some Arceus. So I was actually, like, slightly worried about Arceus coming into the format. Uh, of course... You know me. At the beginning of the format, I tested Arceus Sylveon, and because uh, I thought I, I thought that Sylveon Arceus would be like really po- very well possessioned or very well positioned for the metagame. You know, if you're attacking with beefy three prize Pokemon, you don't really have to worry about Lost Box because you're just going to win through a War of Attrition. Lugia slowed down. Uh, you know, Miraidon is an easy deck to take advantage of because you have Urshifu. And if fighting types were becoming popular, you know, Urshifu was becoming popular to a degree. Uh, you know, you had Sylveon. Like, it Like it felt like the stars were aligning for the deck to come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it just kind of couldn't. You know, Lugia was still too fast. Gardevoir could be problematic. Uh, Giratina is just straight up an auto loss. You know, so... yeah. Just based off of that, I wasn't looking too good for for Arceus, in my opinion. But I said, okay, well, let me try the other Arceus variants. I tried out Arceus Giratina, Arceus Gallade, Arceus Armor Rouge, Arceus Duraludon. I ended up testing out basically every Arceus variant under the sun. And with each one I tried after the fact, I was like, yo, Arceus is insane, this format. What the heck? <laughs> and I mean, we saw that, right? I mean, Arceus yeah. won and did very well in a lot of ways, this format. Like, it won EUIC with the Arceus Duraludon Vulpix pile. Then that kind of evolved into Arceus Duraludon Umbreon, which to this day remains one of the best decks in this specific format. Arceus Giratina won Portland Regionals and has done well at many regionals. I mean, Arceus, I think, just ended up being probably... Statistically speaking, probably just the best V-Star straight up this this mm-hmm. format. Because it struggled a little bit in Silver Tempest just because Lugia was just so aggressive. It got into the game so fast that like if you missed even a beat as Arceus, like that you were just cooked. You, you were just yeah. cooked. And it kind of sucked, but that's just kind of how it was. But now thanks to rotation, now thanks to Lugia slowing down a little bit and being far more vulnerable to path judge than it ever was in the past kind of gave Arceus that avenue to come back into the game as yeah not only Lugia but Lawson, Gardevoir to an extent, Mew, Miraidon, all of those decks hate being path judged and no deck does that better than Arceus because you only need that ability once for the rest of the game you don't care so you just go back to the old world strategy of path hand disruption plus whatever attacker for this format, Arceus Giratina, was the go-to. And I played a lot of Arceus Giratina. That deck is pretty good. Yeah, it's it's definitely good. Uh, I know I said I prefer the Lost Zone variant earlier, but that's not to say that the Ar- Arceus variant is bad. You could do some pretty crazy stuff like you were just talking about with that variant. Yeah, and I mean, it's a pretty simple, like, just pick-up-and-play deck. You get your Arceus, yeah. you get your Giratinas, you Trinity Nova, power them up, and then you just attack, 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 attack until game is over. And you just turn after turn, judge path, judge path, judge path. 
it's it's a pretty easy deck, pretty simple deck to just pick up and play. Very simple, very straightforward and consistent strategy. And uh, I mean, yeah, like I said, just the position that like every other deck in the game hates getting path judged. Mm -hmm. I mean, it put it in a pretty strong spot and it's just consistently had strong showings throughout uh, throughout the entire format. Um, I'm a bigger fan and I never thought I'd ever say this in my life, but I'm a bigger fan of the Arceus Duraludon variants this go around. Uh, finally co-signing with my mortal enemy Duraludon VMAX. Uh, it was kind of interesting how it evolved, right? Like, we lost Hyper Potion, so you couldn't just do the classic, you know, 2-3-3 game plan. Like, Duraludon wasn't, is not, like, a sustainable Pokemon anymore. It's now just, hey, it's this big wall with this annoying ability. I'm not going to be able to heal it and sustain it like I did in previous formats, but it still has enough traits to be annoying, right? Yeah. It kind of evolved to be the centerpiece of like your Arceus pile, your Arceus toolbox type deal. And you know me, I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. So that's naturally where I leaned. You know, the Arceus Duraludon Umbreon deck mm. was just, it, it, I mean, it's just so good. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that uh, if you're going to play Arceus, that's probably the best choice right now. Uh, it's very good. And yeah, I mean, I have to agree pretty much with all of what you said. I think Arceus had a slow start here in this format specifically. I think people were just a little too uh, turned off of it from Silver Tempest to realize that Arceus is still Arceus and it's insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, now, unfortunately, I. I do think that the Arceus Duraludon variants get a little bit worse going into Paldea Evolved because mm -hmm. because of Iano, you know, with with hand disruption that kind of potent in the late game, decks are gonna need to start like leaning on onboard draw. So things like Radiant Greninja, things like Babarel, things like Curlia, you know, things to help them draw cards after getting Iano to a low hand size. And naturally, like, the Arceus Duraludon piles, like, they just don't have the room for that kind of stuff. So, yeah, you factor in the fact that you're more vulnerable to hand disruption than ever. And Gardevoirs can take some pretty easy one-shots on the Duraludon thanks to the buffs it gets. Chien Pao comes into the format and makes mincemeat of Duraludon. It's unfortunately not looking good for the Arceus Duraludon decks next format, but mm -hmm. Duraludon's Duraludon. It, I'm sure somehow, some way, it'll it'll find its way. <laughs> it is still yeah. an absurdly broken Pokemon that I really do think should not have ever been printed. I I wish I could say I have a love a hate relationship with Duraludon. It's just a hate relationship. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> Listen, I, this love-hate thing is very recent for me. Don't get me <laughs> wrong here. It is still more hate than there is love. <laughs> I've thought about playing it before, but I've never got further than building it on PTC Geo. That's the furthest I ever got to pull the trigger on that deck. Oh, yeah, I remember Just that. because, like, every time I play it, I'm kind of just like, I don't like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and like I said, you know, the New Age Arceus Duraludon's more toolboxy, so I... I, I I like it a little bit more, and you can't argue with the fact that I'm playing Umbreon VMAX. I mean, that's a cool card. 
Definitely. But yeah, I love no, I, on VMAX. Yeah, I I absolutely feel what you're saying there. Yeah. It's a. Uh, I still think Arceus, though. I mean, it's got a bright future ahead of it. As long... I mean, not even as long as. It's just going to be good as long as it's the format, in my opinion. I, I think even at Silver Tempest, when it wasn't, like, playable at all, I mean, it was still a really good card. It's just Lugia was just Lugia at that point. I mean, it was still, like, consistently, like, getting, like, top eights. Yeah. Now, this is mostly thanks to it being just Arceus Duraludon, but there were, like non on Arceus decks that even had, like, deep runs in Day 2s or even top cuts. Uh, Makani Tran was kind of the kind of the big uh, front-runner of that. Uh, so, you know, Ar- Arceus has been around and is not going anywhere. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, well, I guess since we've already mentioned it a couple times, we should go ahead and just talk about Lost Zone Box itself. I know we talked about Garatina, but... I mean, Lost Zone Box, I think all of us have just known is good, and it's going to be good, and it's going to stay good. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it was kind of funny because, like, you know, back in the Crown Zenith format, and people were, like, starting to speculate, you know, oh, after rotation, you lose Scoop Up Net, you know, Lost Box isn't going to be as fast, it's probably not going to be as good. Uh, and we also thought Klefki was going to really hurt the deck, and then just none of that ended up being true. People are still getting to 10 in the loss zone on turn two, uh, just going crazy with these turbo builds and stuff like that. And I, I personally, the entire time, I was like, yeah, loss zone is still going to be good next for I don't know what y'all are talking about, but... Uh, yeah, uh, not really surprised that loss zone box ended up kind of being the most popular deck. It's... Mm-hmm. I mean, its I think, engine is really good. It has probably the most aggressive prize trading the game has ever seen. And yeah. Sableye is just stupid. Like, I think, uh, I mean, if you're ever, for the most part how it's been, if you're ever not sure what to play taking to a tournament, or you want the safest option, for the most part, that's Lost Zone Box. Uh, I mean, it's it's consistently good. It's got a lot of good matchups. You can fine-tune it to whatever you think you're going to encounter at whatever tournament you're going to, for the most part. So, you know, you got a decent amount of versatility there. It's just, I mean, it's really good, you know? Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, just absolutely versatile. You can do basically anything with it as long as four of the cards are comfy you know and you throw in a bunch of switch cards the rest can just kind of be whatever you want it to be uh suffice that you you know obviously build it with the with the support you need to do that kind of stuff but uh yeah i mean it's just an absurdly good deck very difficult to play and i was gonna say it's a hard to learn but easy to master deck in my opinion it, it's going to take you, it takes you a minute to get a hold of what you're doing and to figure out how to properly use the Lost Zone engine. But once you kind of figure it out, the pieces just all start aligning, you know what I mean? When I first clicked with uh, Lost Zone Box, ever since then, like, playing that deck is just usually like butter. Yeah, you become more familiar with, like, the decisions you need to make. You know, you, you become more familiar with what cards are important at what scenarios... Um, but it does take a while to get there. And, 
you know, we kind of figured this out, like, well, not necessarily that we figured this out, but we kind of like re-experienced that at Milwaukee Regionals because it was usually like a lot of people in my testing group, if they played against the Lost Zone Box at that regional, they ended up tying just because those games go really long. You know, you're making a ton of actions per turn. You're a one prize deck most of the time. And it's just like, and it's difficult to play. So, you know, people are trying to think about their decisions and make the right one. Uh, you know, it, it's it's a pretty skill intensive deck. But I mean, the rewards are just insane. Definitely. Now, I got to say, I wasn't expecting Kyogre to be the most popular no, variant at the end of the no, format. That, that was a pretty big shock to me. I gotta be honest with you, that was not even on my radar. I, I had heard about it and seen it a little bit, you know, occasionally on live, but uh, I was not expecting it to pop off the way it did. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. Because it was one of those things, right? Like, like Kyogre was obviously very good in like the Silver Tempest format, but we had more cards back then, right? We had... Uh, primarily we had scoop up net essentially that's the big thing right so digging to the bottom of your deck through flower selectings and through concealed cards and stuff like that like it was just so much easier back then because we had more ways to dig we lost some of that coming into this format and the Kyogre strategies kind of you can build the deck in a way that you don't need it, but it's kind of one note and most of your matchups, that's just how you're winning the game. So, you know, losing those cards to help us dig that fast, it was just like, yeah, I don't, I don't think the Kyogre variants stick around, especially towards the middle of the format where like Arceus Giratina had won and like Path Judge ended up becoming more popular in a lot of decks or more decks started running more copies of Judge to get at Lost Box because Lost Box was winning. You know, it just became one of those things where I was like, dude, I was not expecting Kyogre to be the big shift here, but uh, apparently that's what we're doing. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, I mean, I'm not against it, but uh was not on my radar at all. It, yeah. I do... I mean, I do find it kind of interesting. I think that is... Uh, I think it's a pretty cool variant, I guess. But I definitely, like you said, it was kind of one note, and I really did not think that it would uh, be as popular as it has been. Yeah, I absolutely agree. What Now, just out of curiosity, what Lost Box variant did you think would be the most popular, like at the beginning of the format? Oh, oh goodness. Probably, like... <laughs> Probably the one with like an amazing Charizard or whatever it was called, the Radiant Charizard. Yeah, the Sablezard variant. Yeah, yeah, Sablezard, which I know we talked about earlier, is uh, very popular in Europe. But I, I would have thought it was Sablezard. I think, I think, and I still do it. It's like a very good variant. It's very strong. It's very consistent. Yeah, I I think I agree with you. Uh... Because I, I did test a lot with Sablezard in my early testing, and I was like, this deck is just crazy. Like, you and know, I think it's that, one of the... Sorry. I think it's one of the simpler Lost Zone variants to play. I think yeah. Sablezard's pretty easy to master. Yeah, out of all the Lost Box variants, it definitely is the easiest one to play. It's a lot lower to the ground. Its game plan is a bit simpler. Um, that's one of the things I like about it, though. But, mm -hmm. you know, the thing is, right, is that it's like, okay... 
this you have like your turbo lost zones right and they're they're called turbo because you know you can get to like seven or ten turn two sables art can do that too though which is like crazy (laughs) right that like you can get to like turn two uh turn two ten in the lost zone you can start using lost mine or you know you if if you're like me and crazy and you know snuck in a mirage gate into the list which is not exactly common you know you can do that kind of stuff and it's just like getting access to sableye that early in the game with a deck as low to the ground as charizard Mm -hmm. is just like dude it was so good because obviously sableye just picks apart other lost box decks it picks apart guard Mm -hmm. of war it sets up charizard to take the big ko's on v stars and v maxes and stuff like that i mean like it it's very simple but it's really difficult to really pull out a win against it unless you're Mm -hmm. hard countering it of course right because you know you're gonna be taking like a ton of prizes right like i you know typically against like lost box charizard i'm taking like three prizes before they do anything to me and i'm like all right i'm chilling and then a couple turns later, they've taken like two knockouts, and I'm like, "Oh my god, I got like one prize card left. I'm still somehow about to lose this game." Like, I like what? The, like the tables turn so quickly in that matchup, it's really scary. Definitely, I have to agree. Uh, kind of wrap it up, lost zone box there though. Uh, I'm curious to hear your opinion because. I know I've constantly said this deck is good personally, but I have been like legitimately surprised with the show out and how many people have started playing it again, and and honestly how successful it's been. Oh, what about Mew? How do you feel about that? And... Uh, like I said, I th- Mew was kind of one of the archetypes I was kind of doom and gloom about at the beginning yeah. of the format because uh, the thing about Mew, and this goes for Lost Box as well, is that after rotation, Mew and Lost Box are the only decks that are allowed to draw extra cards on turn one going first. Because we don't have Crobat in the format anymore, so we can't just like Ultra Ball for a Crobat and draw till we have six. If you see a few extra cards, because we can't play a supporter, right? Mew and Lost Box are the only decks that get to do that. So uh, I was pretty scared of Mew going into this format. Uh, just because it's consistent, it hits really hard, it's got hand disruption, it can path lock, or if you're playing the fusion strike variant, you've got, you know, the Meloetta turn one donk, uh, which is just ridiculous. You know, fusion strike system is just an absurd ability. Like, to me, it's like the stars were aligning for Mew, it felt like. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm not ready to go back to that. <laughs> um, but it was kind of like an interesting shift, right? Because like the format started, people were playing DTE Mew. As I expected, I was like, okay, people have been doing this since the tail end of Astral Radiance. Even though I think the Fusion Strike version is better, that's just what people have been playing. So that's what I'll prepare for. And then the Fusion Strike variant came out of nowhere and won three tournaments in a row. And I was like, yeah. uh, uh, okay, I've not had to do this in a while. What are my lines of play in this matchup again? <laughs> like... Yeah, definitely. Uh, I know we've said it a couple times, but uh, Mew's like that cockroach in your house, man. You can't kill it. You, you look away for two seconds, it's back. <laughs> yep, yep. You think you got rid of it, and then you turn around, and it just moved to somewhere else in the house. And you're like, what the heck, dude? 
Yeah, it's it's a very good deck in my opinion. It's uh, it's just I don't know, man. Like you said, I'm full agreeance. I think the fusion strike, the fusion strike package is just the way to go. I mean, there definitely were some advantages to the double turbo build for a little while, but I think we got past that point, and it's just uh. I don't know, I really don't think it's worth playing the double turbo variant if you're going to play Mew. Yeah, I mean, we, we've always been pretty staunch believers that the Fusion Strike variant is just the way to go. Um, and I, I have not ever changed my stance on that, I'll, 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 I'll have you know. But um, yeah, I think for this format, like you could go with either variant and it'll be fine. Again, yeah. I'm a bigger fan of the Fusion variant. Because that turn one KO is just like... I, I just think the advantages of it for this format are just like too good. like mm-hmm. Because you get like the potential turn one KO, which basically seals the game against any multi-prize deck, especially Arceus. Like that just kills Arceus. Uh, if Lugia doesn't bench another Lugia and they lose their Lugia that way, that really sets Lugia back. I mean, it's yeah. really strong into the multi-prizers. And then when you get to something like Lost Box or Gardevoir, like you have an arsenal of one prizer, not necessarily an arsenal, but like you have enough one prizers that you can throw at them to kind of help mm-hmm. your prize trade. Uh, because you can attack with Meloetta, and then suddenly responding with a Drapian KO is not as easy. Or you can get a Deoxys down early, and he has enough HP to survive a spit innocently, which, you know, is not. It doesn't really do anything for a Lost Zone box at that yeah. point. It, Mew is very hard. I mean, what makes Mew so good, in my opinion, and just any deck that can do this is going to be a good deck, is Mew does what Mew wants to do, and they really don't care about you. You can try to stall and stop Mew, and you can definitely make their life harder. But it's... they. If they still can just get what they need, it's very <laughs> very hard to win against Mew. Just because it's so powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Extremely consistent, hits extremely hard, and can boost that damage to greater heights than any other archetype can. Uh, yeah, it, it's pretty ridiculous. I think going forward, it's pretty safe to say that DTE Mew is probably dead. Uh, mm-hmm. That spirit tomb really does stick it to the double turbo variant. <laughs> it, it really does. But uh, you know, d- don't get all doom and gloom if you're a Mew believer, because Mew just did win the Japan Championships, and that's like a several thousand player tournament. Uh, you know, you gotta lean on your fusion strike buddies again, because there's no way you get to do anything when spirit tombs in play without it. But you know, Mew is Mew is still kicking. Don't be doom and gloom just because they printed Spirit Tomb. Trust me, you're fine. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, well, unless there's anything that I think we miss, I think we hit pretty much all the highlights uh, for this format. I don't think there's anything uh, that I we think haven't so. hit on. I know we've talked about it a couple times already earlier in the podcast, so just kind of as a quick mention, uh, I mean, if you're a Lugia Archeops player, uh, just because that deck was so big for a part of our, for such a long part of our format, <laughs> uh, 
I mean, that deck is still kicking. I think that's still a viable contender you have to consider. We've talked about it. It's in a rougher spot, but you definitely shouldn't sleep on it. It it just took a tournament, so it's still very viable. And it know? gets lots and lots and, and lots of buffs in Paldea Evolved. I was about to say, and it's actually going to be getting better. So uh, I'm sure we'll be talking more about that when those buffs actually come around. But... Just as a quick note, uh, don't take your eye off that deck. <laughs> <laughs> no, not for a second. Respect it until your dying days. Definitely. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for our main discussion. Uh, it's been interesting uh, watching the meta evolve. Uh, I got to say, they did a good job uh, integrating early EXs into the format. I don't think EXs and Vs mesh very well just in general, but, uh, you know, Gardevoir, and I guess to an extent Miraidon, has just enough power to be contenders, and uh, it, it's made for an interesting metagame, I'll say at the very least. Um mm-hmm. But we're looking forward to Paldea Evolved. You gotta love the comeback cards, Reversal Energy, Iano, and of course, some really cool EXs and one prizers coming out of that deck, or out of that set as well. Uh, and we'll be keeping a close eye on it. Uh, you know, that is going to be the format, not only for the North America International Championships, but also for the World Championships. So uh, helps to pay very close attention to what happens in this format. And, uh, you know, as things come and go, we will be here to report on it. But for now... That's going to be our uh, general retrospective on the Battle Styles of Scarlet and Violet format and Damage Counter Episode 35 in the bag. In the bag. We want to thank everybody for listening. As always, appreciate any love and support that y'all send our way. Uh, Of course, you want to bring the conversation further, you can hit us up on our Twitter at Damage Counter, damagecounterpodcast at gmail.com if you prefer email. Hit us up on our community Discord We'd love to keep the conversation going with y'all. You can find me on Twitter at EmmerDCP. That's E-M-E-R-D-C-P is in Damage Counter Podcast. And you can find me at Smiling underscore Anarchy. And of course, don't forget to check out the podcast on YouTube as well. Damage Counter Podcast on YouTube.com. Uh, the last video we uploaded is me o- opening some imported Chinese cards, which is pretty interesting stuff. Got some really cool pools, so... Uh, you know, if you're feeling a bit nostalgic for that Sun and Moon era, definitely give that video a watch. And, uh, of course, we'll have some tabletop gameplay coming for y'all as well. But with that being said, that's going to do it for this episode. So until next time, see ya.